Hey, Power Athlete Nation. I want to introduce you to our good friends at Thorn Nutrition. Thorn makes the best supplements I've taken, and I'm just not saying that for any other reason other than it's being the truth. Um, I got into the supplement game a long time ago through, you know, if you guys listen to the podcast, George Zangus, Marathon Nutrition, and, uh, you know, creatine and protein and some other things. And uh, supplements have always been important through all the blood testing and uh, trying to optimize micronutrients in the system through blood work. And every time I would go work with uh, Cosenta and Tom Incladon, whenever he would say, hey, these are the supplements I want you to take. This is where you're deficient. Thorn was always the default. And this is long before we ever met them mm-hmm. and had the opportunity to connect with them through Sornex and ha- and then reach out to them and make them a you know sponsor of the, of the collective and the symposiums and just really just create a, a really excellent relationship. And the reason being is we take the supplements daily. Uh, my wife takes them, my kids take them, and I am by far uh, one of Thorne's biggest fanboys. Uh-huh. Gut kits as well. So get some feedback on our gut health, which has well, been pretty interesting. Yeah, especially when you have vitamin A toxicity. Well, there's one way to find out. It's poop in a cup. Uh, yeah, well, you know, funny story. Uh, Tex <laughs> listened to... Uh, I think it was Rhonda Patrick who talked about eating liver, which is, you know, uh, a good idea. Tex took it a little far, started consuming two to four ounces of liver daily. And then we, through Thorne, ended up getting some gut work done and pretty figured out that uh, he was just bypassing his entire crib cycle. And even though he was eating carbohydrates, was totally ketogenic and was dealing with vitamin That's A toxicity. Quick way to lose LDs. <laughs> well. So it's important that when somebody does some supplement recommendations or what, that it has to be very clearly out. These are the amounts you take. But, uh, you know, all kidding aside and all jokes, um, Thorne has been a cornerstone of not only my nutrition and my supplement routine for a lot of years. Uh, after, you know, working, like I said, working with Dr. Inkledon and taking other brands and then going back and getting tested and not seeing noticeable changes. Uh, the one thing that's really nice about Thorne is, you get what's in the package. It's the highest level tested. And I think if you're going to spend money on supplements, uh, Thorne's the only way to go. So if you're interested to see what I take, you can go to thorn.com slash you slash power athlete. It's thorn.com slash you slash power athlete. We'll have those in the show notes. And you also get 20% off. So you'll see the supplement stack, the stuff I recommend and the stuff that I'm taking. And uh, if you want to if you want to buy in, you'll get a 20% discount. On anything. On anything. Not just the stuff in our in our cart. But if you're interested in what we're taking, you can check it out at thorn.com slash you slash power athlete. And um, if you want to enjoy the episode. Yeah. Now tune in to Power Athlete Radio <laughs> and the magical... Uh, angelic voices of Mr. McQuilkin and myself. So, bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. Clint Martin has been at UT long enough to see some greats come through the track and field and swimming programs. A collegiate sprinter himself, he knows the work required to compete on the world stage. As an experienced coach, he also knows the science that drives that kind of success. Here it is, episode 558. Hey, welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio, the premier podcast of strength conditioning. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you having me. All right, from University of Texas. Is it the University of Texas? The. Oh, or UT in Austin? Uh, either way. So it's T-U-T, the Ooh. University of Texas. T-U, from the tut, we from got t- Clint Martin. <laughs> is that time under tension? Is that, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, it could be time under tension or the University of Texas. 
Love it. Was it uh, who? Who was the one that that would always do that? It was the in the NFL when they would. Do oh, the, the Ohio State. Yeah, the Ohio State. Yeah, how's that working out for? Them? Anyway, I don't know. I Yikes. mean, how, how's it going? Are they still under uh, sanction? Yikes. Uh, no. Yeah, but Urban Meyer, everything he touches ruined, including. <laughs> so he's coming me. to UT oh. next year? Oh, no. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Clint, long time, man. I've been trying for a couple of years at least to get you out here. So but he's been stalking you, huh? <laughs> you're <laughs> a busy running. man. Yeah, I keep it. I keep well, it. Well, the sure. Olympic season moved. And that essentially just pushed your time frame and elongated all your athletes' training year yep. an extra year. For sure. Um, but I no- understand we got track, we got swimming, and a number of professional athletes, man. So why don't you go ahead, give us an introduction for our listeners who may not know who you are or where you're from, and let's rock and roll. Yeah, nobody should know where I'm from or what I do. That's okay, though. Um, so I'm Clint Martin. I've been at University of Texas for, this is my seventh season now. So I've been here for a little bit. Love in Austin. I work with all of track and field. I work with men's swimming. Um, head coach there is Eddie Reese. If you guys don't know, 80 years old, he's the GOAT. He's won 15 national championships, learned a ton from him. So Austin's been great. Texas has been great. I'm around a lot of very high-level sport coaches, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But Austin's been awesome. My boss, Donnie Mabe, he's been in the game for a long time, been at UT 23 or 24 years. So I've been around a lot of awesome coaches, been really fortunate um, to learn from some of the best. Yes, Donnie Mabe, uh, long, a couple times, Parathy yeah. Radio alum. Yeah, no, he's been on here a few times. I, I think we've done him remote before we moved into the studio, and I think he's been here in person as well. Twice yeah. in person. Uh, yeah, man, I, I was excited to bring you on to talk specifically about track, uh, but we often don't get a lot of swim strength and conditioning coaches in as well, so we can explore that. Sure. Um, I understand I'm, you I'm are, amazed that there's carryover. You know, people think uh, you don't train swimming athletes the way you train ground-based athletes. Sure, it's. Definitely very different, but from uh, from a standpoint of how their season works, actually very similar. Um, they never stop. Their seasons are always going, especially the level of kids we have. They're training all year, competing in the summer, so they really never stop. So it's very much like track from a periodization standpoint. Um, very, very different with how you're trying to express force and different things like that. But definitely from a periodization standpoint, probably two of the closer sports that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And both of which are almost the – expression of the weight room and the training time that you put in especially track specifically because it's just manipulation of body weight right so track you're trying to manipulate your body weight down the track same thing in the water you're trying to manipulate your body through the pool so very much from a sense that it's just your body weight and whatever force gravity or lack thereof in the water that you're trying to work against so very similar everything's objective in their training so that's kind of how we try to train in the weight room as well we think about swimming i always wondered what's the eccentric load in swimming somebody pulling themselves through the water it's always just kind of concentric and then a weighted fast eccentric whereas in sprinting is yeah. really you know the sport of controlled eccentrics absolutely or slash fast isometrics yeah. so it's very very different from a swimming standpoint um swimming for them the majority of their skill and kind of force expression is going to come from the water so we try to do the majority of their skill-based stuff in the water because we don't want to take away from that skill acquisition so for us we try to keep things very simple Movement patterns, very simple um, things that we can. The only thing we know we can really help in the weight room is off the wall and off of the wall or off the wall and off the boards. Like we know we can help with strength there. Sure. Everywhere else, we're just guessing. And if anybody tells you different, I would love to see it. Yeah. Um, it's it's really hard to figure. There's a bunch <laughs> of technology figuring out. Um, there's something called like the swim paddle. You put it on your finger. You can see force vectors in the water, how much water you're pulling, different things like that. 
that's brand new. They're trying to figure out different metrics to figure out how they're actually making manipulations and making things happen in the water. A lot of people are guessing. Our coach has been doing it, like I said, 40 plus years. He's figured out some of those things and he would still tell you, we're trying to figure it out. So every year we're trying to figure out different ways to figure out what those objective means are and what well, we can actually change. The best one I've seen is uh, when they were wearing those crazy suits so that they were increasing like the slickness and like the water drag and all that. And then they like smashed all those world records. Yeah. Then they straight took them away. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, there's a piece where they like, Oh, this technology couldn't really help. And then it was just shattering because they were able to move through the water with right. less drag. Exactly. And um, I think they were modeling them after like sharks or whales or something within the fiber. So right. I watched some documentary on it. It's just like, yeah, the one time where you have to cut them off <laughs> yeah. and then, yeah. yeah. And they're so expensive. The one time where so expensive. Yeah, do you remember what the price is? I really don't remember the price went, but it was crazy. Like thousands of dollars. It was crazy. Yeah, it was it was up there. Oh, and uh, I mean, just people were shattering world records, and they're like, well, "This might be a real problem." Something's off. We got to go back to speedos. Something's off <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's a little bit more than just shaving your legs and your arms, I guess. A little, I mean, a little, yeah. a little more to it. Than that. So, I mean, uh, like, yeah, what's so amazing about swimming for me is the amount of load that they can handle. I mean, the volume is so high. I mean, it's you're probably, uh, you know, with your runners. You know, uh, like controlling volume, sure. looking at like, you know, uh, we've been preaching it for years, which comes from uh, uh, my interactions with Charlie Francis. Sure. Um, the only way you get fast is run fast. Yep. You know, recovery runs and, you know, jogging doesn't increase speed. You got to be able to run fast to be fast. Which you need to be in a, yeah, a I mean, non-fatigue state to do so. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And you got to be fully recovered yep. and have, you know, phenomenal effort and technique and everything firing. And like the idea of just basically doing tempo runs and how you're going to get fast is just fucking archaic thinking. Right. And, uh, but yeah, in swimming. Because they can handle so much load, because they're not really doing eccentrics and it's, you know, they're gliding through the water yeah. and the water's controlling. I mean, there's just so, it, it just blows me away that, right. you know, uh, I remember looking at like Michael Phelps, like consuming like, you know, 12 to 14,000 calories because his uh, um, metabolic rate was so high because the water trying to keep his body warm and the, the load he could handle, he could swim for three hours in right. a day. I mean, it's got to be so much, so interesting for that group versus the sprinters where you're like, controlling volume because the minute that intensity and recovery starts to fall now all of a sudden the volume just becomes you know anti uh you know like hurting your speed absolutely and it's i mean if you look at club swimming all the way down to when they're in age group really young like those athletes are swimming eight nine times a week uh my like, daughter uh every right. single day and they're literally in the water for f like 60 minutes right. non-stop yeah like it, our guys a lot of our guys will be going eight sessions nine sessions a week plus four sessions of weights. It's just a lot of training. Their volume is very dense. So it's very different, like you said, than track for sure. Earning the scholarship. Well, $600 per swimsuit. Mm, LZR yeah. racers. Yeah. Unbelievable. One yeah. time. Yeah, they ban those. As they should. It's fucking awesome. $600 for a world record? That's well, not too bad. Well, I mean, but uh, the best was when they were showing, um, like, you know, they like I, uh, like they were showing the computer models, like, uh, like should they allow them not? And they were showing them through the water. Like, normally this is how much they would be in. All of a sudden they were in these and they were like something like a quarter to half an inch higher out of the water. Oh, dude, like the physics of it. Like, that's the part I love. Like, I love the physics. I love, like, the fact that they, like, took Michael Phelps' body and they were like, this guy's torso. <laughs> he's got a 32-inch inseam. He's 6'8". And he's got, like, these, like, awkward feet. I mean, just completely designed to swim fast. Right. You know, like Katie Ledecky, they were showing her knees go back, like, 20, 20 yeah. degrees. Yeah. So she yeah. naturally can hyperextend her knees and then slap her foot, which allowed her to create more torque. You get her in a grand place. I mean, she can't change direction without blowing out a fucking knee. But uh, right. I mean, in the water, just so agile. It's, it's, it's insane for me. it. It's crazy to me to think. Like, obviously, her body 
which is what makes her really good at swimming and obviously just very talented. But say she never gets in a pool and she doesn't even think that, oh, this is something that I should be doing. Like all that talent that we would just never know. Yeah, she'd yeah. just be a real uncoordinated person trying to, trying to run a marathon. Like can you stand up and not like not trip on yourself? Uh, years ago when I was with the Ruiz 2014, there was an initiative uh, by USA Swimming or one of the, the team elites that were going into uh, Brooklyn and Harlem and yeah, looking yeah. at the public basketball courts, basically finding the guy at the end of the bench who was not built for basketball not good at basketball, but just had never had the opportunity to swim sure. and then finding him and then aiming to make him into a world-class sprinter and swim. Well, they, they also found too, that there's like an interesting uh, like um, balance between like body fat and, and body mass and muscle, like too much. And like all of a sudden they sink too much and it hurts their, their ability to swim. So it was really fascinating. Like, um, like, but it doesn't affect like, unless you're doing like the real or the longer stuff, but unless you're a short sprinter, that's why they were like, hey, let's uh, find these like really fast like track dudes and see if they can swim. Because they were doing them in like the 50 meters where right. it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. I mean, those guys don't even breathe. They just put their head down and go. And if you get the force off the block, you can get after it. Yeah. For sure. Oh, and you were – so uh, you were mentioned earlier you got some seven-foot swimmers. I do. Like, what are their events? Are those the sprinters? Does the taller equal faster or is they're it actually, the little muscly? They're actually usually like a mid-D guy. So they're kind of like in between. Mid-D, like 400 meters? Like like a 200. Yeah, like a 200 free or something. Have you ever watched it? Like, what's the long one? Is it the 5,000 meters? Yeah, we don't We do not do that. We go up to 1650. Have you seen uh, Like, we were watching it in the Olympics. This, this is like, Texas, John. We don't do that. No, but I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, first of all, the mental capacity to swim it's that fun, far. Right? Like, and the, like, like, I just get bored. It's like, right. I don't know what's going on. Like, I just talk myself out of it. I'm like, I'm going to drown on this one. I don't know if I can. There's no way. It's like, even the... If you're swimming a thousand and you're really good, you're around eighteen minutes. You, I can't imagine swimming consistently for do, eighteen. Do you all ever do open? Do you all ever get the opportunity to do open water? Not in college. Uh, Not in college. We've had we just for had, training though. Yeah, where? like Barton Springs pool. Like where the fuck yeah, around Barton. here are they going to go uh, open water swim? Now nah, we got six a.m. Barton. Dude, you you want to go down to the coast? <laughs> I like the water down here is so bad in the coast, you probably rust yourself as a human <laughs> or morph into something based off the sewage. And <laughs> yeah. I thought I saw a movie There's about only this. one way to find out. I'm telling uh, you that, dude. We went down to what was it, Port Aransas, okay. and uh, I grew up in Southern California, and so like you know, I'm, I'm like uh, went to Berkeley, so I have California beaches, and yep. we went down there. And I was like, oh, my God, is this like an oil spill? I'm like, no, that's just how it looks. I'm like, <laughs> it's called tar, John. I was like, this is the ugliest fucking Where shit. Where does tar come from? Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, Definitely nobody not knows. all the, it just the comes oil. Out of this, yeah, yeah, not the oil spills. Good no. old Texas beaches. Got to love them. Oh, my God. So, uh, like, um, as you, like, uh, is there, like, uh, and, and I know uh, Chris kind of alluded to it, but what's the crossover? I mean, you said, like, uh, the periodization aspect. But is there, is there things or is it just two completely separate disciplines of, like, Hey, if I have these guys doing ground-based stuff, like they're pretty awkward out of the water, I just don't need them to hurt themselves. Yeah, I'd say they're very, very different, kind of two different planets. Um, the start, you can get a little bit like even I think it was 2010 when swimming changed over from the the normal double leg stance start to the, what they started calling a track start. Yeah, the stagger. Right. So that it's been 2010 since they've done that. Like it's pretty new to the sport. Um, so they are very, very different. Um, I think there is something to be said about general athleticism and just being able to move and having a little bit of transfer and hoping, hoping that carries over. Uh, most of my swimmers, sorry guys if you're listening, not super athletic, doing anything outside of the water. It's just the way it is. But I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to build some of those qualities mm -hmm. as well. Uh, so we definitely do do some of those things. Um, 
the probably the most skill-based thing they do outside of the water is jumping. We do do some jump. We actually tested verticals today and the guys were loving it. We had a couple of guys over 34, which kind of surprised nice. me. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, some they're actually really expressive, but kind of the vectors and how they do them, you need to shut those down. You got to kind of cut that down and make it very narrow focused. Otherwise, things start going all over the place. Nice. So, yeah. do, do you ever take your uh, uh, take your sprinters in there and let them swim and let let them come out and maybe run hurdles? Actually, the the sprinters they uh, they go in the water every Wednesday for their recovery workout. So, nice. and it's hilarious. It's like watching a swimmer sprint. It's the same thing. It's that funny. <laughs> it's it's not great. Well, you yourself were a sprinter in college, I was. correct? I was. And then, did you get in the pool when you were college training, or is this uh, we all? We did. Bad? No, we did. No, they for some reason, you know, we like you said, you don't want to manage their load, manage their volume. So on those days where you still need to get some training in, but you don't want to beat them up, hop in the pool. So you can definitely work on some aerobic capacity stuff. Um, just kind of build some lactate Survival stuff. skills. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely get the floaty on. You got to make sure you got those. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's definitely another way to get some training in without beating up the tissue a little too much. So we de- definitely did that in college as well. Yeah, no, we had uh, at the Eagles, we had an, undergr- or an underwater treadmill, yeah. which was real neat to run in. Yeah, we'll do. We have an underwater tread. We have um, a couple alter Gs, which essentially does the same thing, right? Just lowering what your body weight is on ground. Um, so some days we'll utilize those different modalities. Still get our training in, but make sure we're not beating up the body too much. Damn. Cool. Sweet. So I know you had some athletes at the U.S. trials. Did yes. you get the opportunity to go to the next next phase? I went. So I went to the trials. Um, we were out in Eugene for because nationals for college was in eugene and then two weeks later was trial so we stayed out there for three weeks it was a really long trip um after that we sent from my group a crew of 12 to the olympics so we had a pretty big crew out there so the uh, uh when i watched the the trials in eugene it was hot it was hot and which i thought favored like the texas kids because, it was still hot <laughs> well it, it, it was hot but like the kids that were like oregon for and sure like from my colder climates were just wilting for sure, but it was awesome to watch. Yeah. I did appreciate them all wearing their <laughs> college unis during the USA Olympic trials. Cause cool. then it's like, all right, I'm going to root for you. I'm going to root for you. <laughs> it, was a, it was a pretty good showing from the college athletes all kind of all across the board um, last year. I think it'll be tough this year. Um, we have world championships in the U S which never happens. Um, it's in uh, Eugene this year. That's right. Um, they've Dude, announced that date, but they haven't announced trials yet. Phenomenal. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, yeah. It's unreal. It's unbelievable. It was, it was really cool to get out. And obviously we go there a lot since I've been here. Nationals has been out there the majority of the years. We had it a couple of years ago. I think we have it again next year. Um, but it's usually out there and it's, there's nothing like it. Well, I mean, they have all the money to throw at it. Like, what's the best of the best? Then add two more and we're going to get this. Yeah, no, it's killer. It's going to be awesome. And obviously, they're setting it up for world champs as well. So, it should be it should be pretty sick this year. Um, like, uh, one thing that always amazed me with track is, like, there's a, a certain grittiness in certain running events that, sure. like, oppose from other ones. Like, uh, the 800 meters. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, like, watching the girls run, like, the like the 5,000 and the 10,000 and yeah. the steeplechase. Just like the like the um, like the mental capacity and the ability to grind sure. in those races, yeah. like it seems like um, you know everybody's fast in the hundred and the two hundred, right. and then the four hundred is a little bit of a push. But then when you get to the eight hundred, it's like this mid distance, right. and then when you get to the mile, it's like okay, they're more specialists. But then when you get out to that five and that ten, it just feels like a fucking free for all. Right. And so when I um, track and field is by far my favorite sport that. to watch in the Olympics. I love that. It, it's the one I want to watch. Uh, like. Uh, I had um, uh, so when I was 14 years old, I played football and uh, I wanted to run track. I wanted to run the hurdles, and then I went out to run the hurdles, and they're like, "Hey, we need you to throw the shot put in the disc." And I was like, "Well, here's my deal: Do I get to run the hurdles?" 
<laughs> so I always did it. I love and it. And so uh, well, I, I had this uh, vision of like uh, I used to be fast and then I grew a bunch and I wasn't fast, but I knew there were fast people over there. Sure. So I wanted to be fast. I like that. And uh, But like, man, I've always just been such a fan of track and especially watching people move at that pace. And uh, I mean, just like the domination of like the Jamaican runners for, sure. for such like a small, small little country to have like this many amazing runners. For sure. It's just unbelievable to see that type of culture. Absolutely. And like talking about gritty events, like my my mind went straight to the 400 hurdles. I mean, that's oh. that's a monster. Um, and we have some pretty good ones, but it's it's funny. I actually called uh, one of my really good college teammates. Um, I called him the other day after one of our workouts and I was like, man, can you? imagine or believe that we used to do this like i'm i don't know what 12 14 years removed i'm like there's no way i could do that there's no way i used to do that i used to do that there's no chance like they are just they work where did you get a scholarship yeah i had a scholarship but I was for there. the hurdles or they're no, like i was i was short hey sprints. we're just gonna put you here i was short sprints no i ran i ran the 200 and did you run here at ut i ran at iowa state at iowa state yes okay. sir so yeah stayed in the big 12 but i'm a trader now that's all right Damn. No, yeah, looks better on me anyway. the, yeah, the 400 hurdles, I mean, it's, it's amazing to watch them run it because you can almost see the counting on their face. Like one, two, three, four, five, you know, like you can almost see them yeah. and they, you know, I mean, a lot of them do count because I mean, they'll have their steps, their yeah. race plan. Everybody will have their steps. If you watch the Olympics, how many, those higher level 10 meets. hurdles? Yes, how many? 10 hurdles. Run track, yeah. yeah. And and you, you can see them like literally like counting almost. And you can see when they get off. Yeah. Uh, and they have to go over with their non-dominant leg. Yeah. Like you can see when they get off. So it's. And they'll knock them down. And then, yeah. and then you see them like stagger, you know, try to, like, to stutter step to yeah. get back on. It's so funny. For to sure. Watch. It's awesome. Yeah, no, I. Uh, it's a grinder uh, for sure. Uh, like it, it's just so interesting that you have like specialists and then you have these people that can go kind of either way and then they run these middle distance. And the look on their face is just unbelievable like that 800 to to me is always like if you wanted to ask for like the the mark of awful in track it's a 800 for sure. like nobody wants to run that you're sure. either miles or 400 <laughs> and then they just kind of like oh fuck like the 800 specialist is always the fucking worst. it's tough too because and obviously um indoors like 400 hurdlers need an event so what are you gonna do oh go run the eight so you go from like really tough event to probably an even tougher event so it's, it's brutal in the big 12 we actually have the 600 so it's a little bit better for them, but they don't have it nationally. So you go to the Big 12 meet, win the six, and then, oh, I don't have that event. Hopefully I qualified in the eight. Now I go to nationals, run the eight. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird. But then you get Do you guys have the 60 indoor? We have 60 indoor, yes, sir. That's another one. That's another, another one of my favorites to yeah. watch. It's like, okay, they're done. 60, 200 on, in, on an indoor bank track is pretty fun, too. Yeah. They'll bring it home. I remember the first time I ran a, uh, 200 indoors was, um, would have been in 08 my freshman year. We're at A&M, and I came up and set. It was like pre-meet the day before. I was like, I'm about to fall. Like at the angle that I was in and on the block, I'm like, this is ridiculous. So we get we get a island runners, people from Jamaica, wherever that they've never seen indoor track because they don't have snow. Everything's beautiful all the time. So they get on indoor track and they're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't have one to train on. So the first time they see it is when we get to a meet. Um, so it's definitely a it's definitely a journey for them. Uh, any speculation on why the Jamaicans and the culture and the day? I mean, like it's it it's, makes no sense. I mean, well, maybe it does, but like, it's just so amazing that you would have, I mean, and the, you know, obviously the men with Usain Bolt, but really it's the women. Right. Like, I mean, like, you know, you're watching the Olympics and it's like one, two, and three, mm-hmm. one, two, and three. I think the diversity of options for sports for one um, is something that's very different. So over here, so we took away like U.S. football, that's just gone. They don't have that down there. So you take that away and now you can take away basketball really as well. They don't play basketball as much down there. So you take our two biggest sports, baseball, decent down there, one of the top three sports, but, and then it's track and it's soccer. And these soccer. are, these are, this is what we're going to play. 
Um, so I think you do that. You take away football, you take away basketball, you take away baseball in the U.S. I think U.S. track is a problem. <laughs> yeah. I think we're not talking about Jamaica. So that's I'd yeah. say that's one thing. Um, and then actually there's a book by Daniel Coyle, um, Culture Code and Talent Code. I don't know if yeah. you guys have read those. Yet, oh, yeah. But he talks about um, even like back in slavery trading days, there was ships that were broken or people got got off the ships. And the I guess the strongest of them were able to get across the island and they kind of had this refuge and only the strongest made it over there and they kind of bred. And that's kind of the population where like Usain is actually from. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. So there's a lot of different things and it's nature versus nurture. Sure. But I think, um, I think there's a couple pieces that play into that a bit. Yeah. He, uh, um, so I, I always had this, uh, um, I never thought that sagittal straight ahead sprinting was a great demonstration of athleticism. Like, cause I played with a whole bunch of dudes that were fast sure. that weren't very good athletes that they couldn't catch. They couldn't yeah. do other things. And so uh, I always ask people, like, do you think Usain Bolt is an incredible athlete? Or, I'm sorry, he's extremely athletic. He's an incredible athlete just based upon, you know, his accolades. But do you think he's really athletic? And people were like, you know, I don't know. And then we would define athleticism. Right. And it was actually a YouTube video, Usain Bolt playing soccer, that I knew he was an incredible. He was extremely right. athletic. He was shaking these dudes up, was, like, moving around, was able to spin and move through space and handle ball and, like, judge distances. And I'm like, so I had to watch him play pickup soccer to know how athletic he was, right. not from sprinting straight ahead. And most of them grow up. I don't want to lump everybody in one kind of category, but like a lot of them grow up. Most of my um, Jamaican athletes grew up like playing soccer, playing football. So, um, did, did they grow out of soccer? Like they get too tall? No, they always play it. Look at Bob Marley. Bob Marley was a great soccer player. How tall was Bob Marley? And dude, the videos of Bob Marley, he was a good soccer player. And like him playing, it was a, it's what, what they did. I mean, that was like the huge, one of my favorite things of seeing a video five, of Bob seven. Marley. He's a great soccer player. Great soccer player. Yeah. You, you look him up, dude. He was legit. I would say they grow in the track a little <laughs> bit more. It's, I think, same thing we're talking about with, like, Aladecki. She might have played other sports. Phelps might have played other sports. But you kind of keep doing what you're good at, right? Yeah. So, I think um, – Well, I mean, if you see I a think soccer with ball Phelps, track, they just looked at him and they oh, were yeah. like, ah, how do we put the skin in the water shoes For and sure. hurt himself? Well, yeah. yeah, cut For from sure. lacrosse. He's like – <laughs> go swim, weirdo. Did I mean? Did he play lacrosse? Oh, he's from Baltimore. Oh fuck! They were like, you know, they, they handed him the thing, and they're like, yeah, let me take that back. Go in the water. <laughs> Give me that. Hop Don't in. hurt yourself. They just push him right in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is there? Um, I mean, uh, like uh, I played with a lot of fast dudes in the NFL, sure. and uh, there was always like uh, um, guys always talk shit about how fast they were. And I remember we've had some dudes that were, you know, like really fast. And uh, I just always thought that that was interesting. That like here's dudes in the NFL always looking for like other things to talk shit on. Like uh, like the big one was like I'm a better basketball player than you. Yeah. And I remember asking some of the guys, I'm like, what's up with this basketball? And they're like, dude, if you're a black man in America and you can't hoop, you should just fucking leave. <laughs> like you have NFL players that are going to like the Hall of Fame and uh, you know playing in uh, um, you know all pro type of deal, and they're more interested in their basketball skills. Because that's like the marker for for athleticism, and more importantly, like black men have to be able to shoot baskets. For sure. And I remember, I think it was Marcellus Wiley was like, "Dude, if you can't hoop as a black dude, you just need to fucking leave." Yeah, you got to be able to hoop. Yeah, like that was like, and I, I just thought it was hysterical. I'm like, so wait a minute, you guys all play in the NFL, and this is your marker <laughs> for shit? And they're like, "Yeah, well, their job it. is NFL." Job is NFL. But, uh, but you think, you're like, hey, I play in the NFL. I'm pretty good. And it was like, no, no, fuck all that. We're all here. Who can play basketball? Who can hoop? Yeah, yeah. Who can hoop? It was like playing dominoes. If you can't play dominoes, that was another one. And, uh, I, dude, I loved it. That's why I still play dominoes. I love it. I love it. Yeah, dominoes man. and spades. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we played. And what's funny is uh, I went over to our neighbor's house. We, we went to a concert, and they came home and wanted to play dominoes. And I was they, telling like, them a bit about Mr. Perkins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So my, my old neighbor is, uh, he's a fucking card shark. He's had a standing poker game for over 60 years. Wow. 
and uh, I went to go play poker with him. And uh, here's the deal. I like to gamble, but I don't like to lose. And so I go over and this old man's got like two pair or three pairs of glasses on. Oh, I can't see. <laughs> and he is everybody's money. And I'm like, first of all, this old man's sharking you guys. He's sharking you. And dude, he's playing games and this. I mean, I was like, man, I know like eight card, you know, or uh, Texas Hold'em and this. I know a few of the games. I didn't know any of these fucking games. So I sit and watch and he's like, hey, you want to get in? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like my money. I'm I was like, I like my money. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I, if you want me to donate you money, I'm going to donate you money. For sure. And then he uh, he pulled out like a wad of like, I mean, that old man could buy us all in hundred dollar bills. And I, uh, I mean, and so that it's like, uh, uh, don't play pool with a dude who's named after a city. Yeah. You know, uh, don't get a free tattoo. Don't play uh, cards <laughs> with an old man who's had a standing poker game for sixty fucking Absolutely years. Absolutely not. You know, who's who's literally covered in jewelry like he used to. You know, like like unbelievable dude. He's probably got some great stories though. Well, he was a, a chicken fighter. So he, um, the number six uh, cockfighter in the world. Wow. So he raised chickens on this land and like went down and fought the cartel. He went to the Philippines. He has all this crazy jewelry, oh, yeah. like huge diamonds that he won in this and this and has all this. Cra- and then he pulls out the magazines and showing it to me. That's so awesome. I, I kind of wish that he was still fighting chickens. I've, I've never been to a chicken fight. I wonder if they, do they have those in Austin? No, we can't find that. They, they, they outlawed them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think back in the 90s, they outlawed them. But somebody's chicken fighting somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I promise you that. Uh, like, like chickens, I fucking don't like. like <laughs> I got no problem seeing chickens. Now, like the the dog fights, uh, I got pit bulls, man. Yeah, like, that's rough. I, yeah, I couldn't do yeah, that. Can't get on that. Uh, but we did see a bullfight in Madrid. So we went to the bullfights in Madrid, and that was pretty wild. Uh, I'll tell you, I will pay to see cobra fighting like in casino royale james bond you pay to see it oh yeah or do it oh no <laughs> have you oh, seen those guys safe in distance india? television <laughs> gotcha. okay, okay. have you seen the, the the game in india where they have the cobra and the rocks and those guys are sitting up uh, uh, like four dudes are sitting here and the cobra's in the middle and there's rocks and they have to grab the rocks and they just go back and forth and everybody and then the guy who basically like you put your hand out there and you don't and the guy who has the like basically like dominoes who, who gets rid of all the rocks first he's the winner uh well, there goes I'm my in. night I'm it's be, fucking I'm be on like, youtube all night it's like i watched it was like holy shit and these guys yeah. are like you know it's like jenga level 100 <laughs> yeah stealing rocks from cobras <laughs> yeah i'm out on that yeah no i think i'm, I'm out on that yeah that's, that should be our test of athleticism it's not basketball it's stealing rocks from cobras. <laughs> oh my god dude yeah yeah no that's that, that's a good one uh so like what what does the training look like and more importantly like how do, like uh you know the swimming's obviously kind of interesting because it's so different sure but for the track guys like what does the training look like is it standard gpp you know uh you know basic barbell lifts or you know how does that template really work and then more importantly how are you monitoring that is it all based on what they can do on the track like if speed decreases you know because i mean it's really just uh man i think i saw a statistic that they were able to look at like body fat as the greatest indicator of who would win like the 100 and the 200. The guy that was the leanest who carried the most amount of muscle and relative to body fat tended to win. I know for, to answer that last one, I know for a fact um, they've charted it back like through all the Olympics. No female has ever set a world record in the 100 meters. I believe it's over 9.7% body fat. So those are like really big indicators. Like it's just never been done ever. Um, So like body comp is obviously really big for us. Um, I'll stick with sprints to keep it easy because all the different groups kind of train a little bit different. Um, But specifically for, we'll call it even short sprinters. Um, So the nice thing about like the way we have it set up here um, and the way I am with my my coaches, I have awesome coaches, like hands down best coaches I've ever worked with in track. Um, So my coaches give them to me for three weeks before they do anything on the track. Um, So big thing for us is like we train hard all year. Like I said, all year. So when we get two months off in the summer, like that's our off season. And 
it's usually when other teams are like training really, really hard. That's kind of the opposite of what we do because we train hard all year. Um, so at that point, we've been doing everything in a straight line, right? Everything's been sagittal. I want to get everything else back. I want to work on those qualities that may have diminished a little bit, those things that maybe fall through the cracks a little bit because it's not specific to their sport. So we don't need to train it a ton in season. So that's when we're doing multi-planar things. That's when we're making sure that we're taking care of all those little nicks and crannies that may not be super specific to sprinting. Um, so we'll do a lot of those things. We won't touch a barbell in the summer. Um, and then once we get into those first three weeks, like I'll start reintroducing um, Olympics. Um, the sprint group, we will clean, we will snatch, whether it's from the floor, whether it's from a hang, kind of depends. Um, kind of depends on where we are in season. The intensity of what that looks like will depend on where we are in season, but those are things that we will do. Um, jumpers will do them a little bit differently, um, but those are Olympics. We will do those with track. Um, and it's not that I'm huge on Olympics. Um, I, I love them with track. I don't use them with swim at all. So it's that's kind of just how we look at it. Um, but for us, like those are big indicators. We will we will clean pretty much all year, um, some form of variation of it. Same with snatch. Um, lower body, it's going to change depending on where we are in the year. Um, it's going to change for each of the athletes. And then talking about monitoring, in that three weeks before we actually do any kind of training, um, we're going to do a ton of testing. So we're testing. We'll get on the Nord boards. We'll get on the DEXAs. We'll get on DARI, which is a 3D movement screen, 19 different movements. Sure. Um, and we have a whole bunch of different things like laid out for each event group. So the 100-meter athletes, these are like thresholds I need you at to make sure, hey, you're ready to even go get on the track or you're ready to get under a barbell. Or vice versa, when we get in season, we'll test again here coming up to Thanksgiving break. Like we're getting ready to go on season. This is where we need you to be to be an elite athlete because we have so much data points from our best 100 meter runners, our best 200 meter runners. And they all have things that matter, right? So for our elite females, like I need them, elite female short sprinter, like I need your hamstrings. Like I need you pushing out close to 400 watts. Like I need that on the Nord board if you want to be really, really good. And mm -hmm. that's just the data points that we've had. And I need you over 200 if I want to keep you healthy. So if you're not even at 200, you're not even going outside. We're not doing that. We're going to work on these things that could keep us off the track because we get injured. Um, so we're looking at that. We're looking at force production. I'll do a Bosco jump test with everybody, figure out if you're muscular base or if you're more reflexive, like what makes you go? Because everybody goes a little bit different. Quickly, can you explain that Bosco test real yeah, quick? Yeah, sure. So um, Bosco jump test. Um, so I'll do a, I'll do three different parts. So I'll do a static jump. Um, so we'll start down in the bottom, like deep knee flexion and no arms, arms on the hips or arms on a dowel rod either way. And we'll just kind of test what that starting strength looks like um, expressed as a vertical jump. And then we'll do the same thing as a counter movement with no arms. And we'll test that as well. And then we'll do just a regular counter movement jump. And then there, you can look up Carmelo Bosco and he'll have an equation of how you can figure out kind of what your power output potential will be. So we'll find out what their power potential looks like. And then obviously we'll test that again later and hopefully your potential goes up. Um, the great thing with that is we also test bar speed and um, power output on a barbell as well. So how, you is, how, how are you testing that? So we use elite form. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty much elite form all the way through. Um, so we're looking at this is what your output should be. And then you want to see that match up with what you're doing on the barbell. Right. And then you want to see that thing match up with what they're doing outside. So it's it's like I said, tracks very objective. So we get a bunch of different data points all the time. So we're able to figure out when we get in season, hey, this is what your power potential has been. This is where you are producing power and we'll get on force plates as well. So this is how much you can produce potentially. This is how much you actually produce. This is how much you produce fast. And then we look at what you're doing on the track as well. So it's a bunch of ways to figure out like if there is something missing in the wheel, if there's a cog missing, where is it? Mm -hmm. So we're just trying to find all those different pieces that kind of put the whole thing together. And then look at the body composition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's interesting. So now you have output, you got performance, and then you got composition. Yeah. So that's kind of how we look at the holistic piece. Like I think a lot of strength coaches, I think 
I've, I've been there. I think we've all been there at some point. Um, just stay in the weight room a little too much, um, kind of get kind of stuck down there looking at those numbers and not looking at things that you can actually manipulate or help with in the actual sport. Um, so for me, I'm at the track three, four days a week um, trying to figure out, hey, what are we missing outside? Because um, you can get stuck downstairs and, hey, yeah, the 120K moved really good, looked really good. If I don't have an elite form, I don't know what your power output was, but you still caught 120, so you should be good. I don't know. Uh, you might have been moving that a meter per second slower. Right. Obviously, a meter per second is not actually, but like maybe sure. you're moving it 0.3 slower than you were last week, right? That's a red flag for me, like especially going into championships. But I can see that and say, hey, coach, something's going on. This kid's fatigued. This kid's tired. Something's up. We want to make sure that we're trending the right direction. And then same How thing do you outside. bounce out with like a conditioning? Like, um, you know, Charlie's deal was always like, hey, do you need to, you know, raise GPP and get in better shape or you got to rest longer? Yeah. And the problem is if you rest so long that we can't get enough quality work sure. in, then we're not going to get faster. So like that idea, like like where does that balance in and where are they getting all that conditioning? We get a lot of the conditioning from now. Um, so, I mean, like I said, we get, we're in, like we were talking earlier, we're in week eight or nine of training, depending on the group. Um, and they haven't been running fast, right? To the normal person, yeah, they're outside running fast, but they're in flats, they're barefoot. They're not doing anything. I wouldn't even call it sub-maximal almost. Like everything they're doing is either going to be tempered down by being barefoot, tempered down by being resistance via a run or via a hill, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, or something else. So a means where they're not getting to over 80% of what their actual max would be. Sure. Um, so we're getting in really, really, really good shape right now. We didn't touch spikes until last week. Um, so they'd had two months of actual work, not including the three weeks they had with me. So we've been building that engine for quite some time. And then we'll start to kind of build the speed aspect. And that's a foot health piece. Absolutely. Just trying to strengthen the feet, yeah. which become your conduit for everything else. Absolutely. Yeah, we do we yeah. do six weeks of warm-ups barefoot before anything Weak else. feet don't run fast. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. I remember. I can't remember. It was one of my first years coaching. Um, I went up to Canada, and I met this. Um, he's a beast, Dr. Tian Dentang. Um, he was the physio slash Cairo for the Jamaican team. Um, so he worked with Bolt back in the day, all those guys. He actually played for the Steelers for five or six years. Like, he was, he's a dude, like, super smart. I mean, I had something going on with me, and then he started talking to me about the feet, and I was this was probably my first year coaching, or maybe my first year. I might have just finished my uh, collegiate running, and I was like, holy cow, the body's connected like what? Like, this is connected like how? I was like, I didn't understand all these different things. We started talking about, yeah, on the short foot and all these other things, and I'm like, well, I got I to gotta do a deep dive into the body a little bit more, um, just figuring out, like, what's actually connected to what and figuring out how this can change this and that can change that. But starting at the feet, like you said, and I was like, quarter of the bones in your body are in your feet. Yeah. Like, that's important. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's definitely a big piece for us. And like I said, we're six feet barefoot, just teaching the basics and watching movement. You can learn a lot when you look at the feet as well. Like, I had an athlete this year, true freshman, my first day meeting. I was like, yeah, hey, just walk down there back, do this exercise, do this. What did you do to your left ankle? What do you mean? I'm like, just looking at your gait, left ankle's off a little bit. He's like, oh, I had a really bad role, but that was like three years ago. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. We can just work on that. He's like, how can you tell? Like, took a video, showed him. Oh, I never, I don't feel that. I was like, that's okay. Like, I don't need you to. Like, I need to look at that. And that's things Compensation that I need to set, Right, exactly. And the better the athlete, the, the better they compensate. Be compensate, right? Yeah. So, and we have a lot of those. So, as strong as you can get, these athletes are really, really strong. They can hide those things. And that's how you get hurt. Well, so. that was Craig Beeler. The best athletes in the world are just the best compensators. Absolutely. And can work around injuries. Absolutely. Um, that would have sidelined other people. For sure. Absolutely. Wow. Killer. And then, uh, so as you periodize through that, uh, you know, now you're in this phase. And so, I mean, is this pretty cyclical that they go through or is it kind of individual based? It's going to be cyclical to a, 
I'd say to a point. Um, so there's things that there's qualities that we really want to really, really work on like every year until I find something different or I change my mind. Like we're going to really hammer isometric hamstrings at this point of the year. Mm-hmm. We've been doing that. Um, nice. It's going to be individualized for sure per group. Like our short sprinters aren't doing the same thing as the long sprinters. Like those things change. And every year we're changing things to try to find out, hey, I, we saw some of these th- and we call, we call it, I call it fatigue resistance. Um, Because at at the end of the race, it's not who's running fastest, right? It's about who's controlling deceleration the best. So how can we get better at fatigue or resisting fatigue? Or managing it. Managing fatigue, right? So, And we look for ways to do that in the weight room. Obviously, they're doing that outside all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But we look for different ways to get better at those things as well. What about sports that are kind of like a a carryover mix, like like pole vault um, or, you know, high jump or some of those where, you know, they are sprinting, but there's another element involved. Like I got to sprint down this lane as fast as I can with this long fucking stick. Right. I got to put it in a hole, lean back in and catapult myself For over sure. the part. I mean, cause those girls and guys are sprinters. Yes. And then you have this mix of like, uh, decathletes and, uh, um, you know, those individuals now that are trying to do a little bit of everything, a little bit of everything. So like, how does that play in? I mean, I always think like straight ahead, you know, Hey, hundred, 200 meter sprinters, not yep. that it's easy. But like, you know, the variables are set. We know exactly where point A and point B is. Absolutely. We know what you need. You know, like all these metrics for success. Yeah. But when you start adding other implements in, like how does that, uh, you know, increase like the margin of error, more importantly, your coaching? Sure. I think obviously, like you're saying, there's a lot more that goes into it rather than just like saddle playing, get the knee up, put it back down. Like there's a lot more coming into play there. Um, so even like my vaulters, we spend a lot more time overhead than I may with um, a sprinter, right? So we do it. I call those things, and I think a lot of coaches call them special strength. So we'll do a lot of special strength, um, things that you can do outside, but it's easy for me to load rather than the coach loading it outside. So a lot of things we'll just, hey, this is makes sense, like with this kind of, so like we'll say, we'll call it javelin, right? So golf swing, right? It's hip, knee, ankle going down, jab's the opposite. So when you start rotating, it's ankle, knee, hip. So how do you work on that? So we might get on a Kaiser and like work on just isolating that ankle to that knee, to that hip or something like that. So making sure, hey, this is really specific, but let's break it down. Let's slow it down. Let's load it. Let's get better at these positions. And then let's go outside and speed it back up. So those positions that are really, really important, we try to reinforce those in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Do uh, do those athletes train with your sprinters in terms uh, they of have, they have their own like, Time wise, well, no, I'm I'm just wondering, like, like when they go out on the track, are the uh, the pole vaulters and the the vaulters and people like that, are they running with the other track athletes in terms of like, you know, trying to increase their speed and so doing all like the same work? But I sure. guess there's just you know some sports specific like skill development. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Um. So they yeah. actually have their own separate coach, which is great. So our, we have a sprint coach who coaches the sprints, hurdles, and like horizontal jumps. And then we have the multis coach who jumps, who coaches the vertical jumps, the multi, so the deck, the hep, and then also the high jump. Mm. So they will train, like high jumpers will train with high jumpers, pole vaulters train with pole vaulters, decks will train with decks. Like it's very specific when you get outside. Gotcha. Obviously this time of year, it's still general because we're trying to get everybody to work. Like they didn't jump or do any kind of jump tech outside until last week. And they're just starting to teach those things. Whereas in the weight room, I can start to get them prepped and prepared for all those contacts outside in the weight room before but they get in, there. But in there, there's a part in here where you're just kind of training them like track athletes. Like everybody's training like an athlete. And they're kind of training in groups. Yeah, it's, they're training in groups, but they really don't train together. Like mm-hmm. So they may be sprinting, but they're sprinting with their group. Uh, um, and I think some of that's going to be a little bit of a governor because um, you throw like a pole vaulter in with um, a sprinter and tell them to run 70%. That 70% for that sprinter is going to be – 110 for that pole vault. That's good. Go. It is good sometimes. Yeah. It is good sometimes. But um, definitely 
it kind of goes back to making sure that they're prepped for the work that we're getting ready to do. So I think, um, and don't get it, don't get me wrong. Like in season, we'll definitely have some long jumpers running a 400 meters or we'll have like some of these athletes ready to run something or hop on a relay or whatever else. Cause I think like going back to even what we we're talking about with swimming, like general athleticism does have carryover. So sure. there's things that they will do, even if it's not specific to their event that should have some sort of carryover. Mm, nice. Did you ever get into the book sports gene? I did. Yeah, I just recalled the chapter two when they used 10,000 hours and the high jump. And the the one person, Stefan, Stefan, he was not genetically gifted, but he practiced the skills so much. They had the perfect technique. And then along came like a division two basketball player. <laughs> so a Stefan Holm was the high jumper who had perfect practice. And then a gentleman named Donald Thomas, who just had all genetics. And then he peaked. At his max height, so won the world championship, but never jumped any higher because he was not coachable. Right. So he didn't necessarily have the athleticism to adjust and change his technique, but he was a great athlete in this moment in time, sure. and he, he peaked too early. Is that David Epstein? David Epstein yeah. was the author, yeah, yeah former Sports book. Illustrated author. But. Uh, he's, he's, that's a great book. Um, it's, it's funny, too, because I'll get – like vaulting, we'll just go to vaulting because it's it's very odd. It's an odd sport to pick up, but all of them pick it up early. Like usually like a family member or something. Yeah. Like there's some reason you pick up the vault. There's some reason you pick up the jab. Like there's just a reason. It's not I because pole, you want to do it. I think pole vaulting might be the greatest display of athleticism I've ever seen. Pole vaulting's unreal. I mean, it's like, unreal. I, dude, it's that's another one of my favorites to watch. Just because I'm thinking, I'm like, what if they miss? No, no. I've and, had an athlete miss. Oh, I, and I've seen them miss. I've had an athlete and, miss. Uh, and it's, outside of high school? Yeah, in college. Oh, yeah, I've, I've had an athlete miss. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just so impressive. Like, just the thought, like, I mean, like, because I, I don't think any normal person would be like, so wait a minute, you want me to run as fast as I can it's with this big stick, myself. and then I got to jam it in this hole, and then <laughs> lean back, and then use the energy to, like, shoot me over the top. Like, it's like Wiley Coyote shit. It's unbelievable. And then I think the world record holder um, right now, Mondo Duplantis, I'm pretty sure he ran a 10 too. So, like, kid can go. Yeah. <laughs> like, super athletic. What's the distance sprint? Distance sprint? Is it, like, 20 uh, meters? Like I, no, no. It's, like, 10? It's like a 40. It'd be 40 like, meters? Yeah, yeah it's, be, it's got to be 40, 50. Yeah, 40 to 50. Because they, I mean, dude, like, you watch them and they kind of start out and then you watch them kind of, like, elevate. And that's always a trip, like when they take off running and then when you see them kind of elevate their upper bodies, that's how I know that they're pretty close. And it's always like somewhere about 10 steps out. So, Clint, when you say miss, did they like miss the hole or they hit the hole and then just went left? Oh, they they missed. They hit the hole, went up, laid out, ready for the mat, but the mat wasn't there. Ah! Just went to the left. And what about when it mat? breaks? That's another one where like all of a sudden they oh, lean back a and, and they've gone to like a, like a lot of times they'll run too light a pole because they want a lot of whip. They'll lean back and it breaks. Yeah. Holy shit, it sounds like a gunshot. If you on. ever, the scariest event to watch in any sport is watching the Maltese pole wall. Because <laughs> they don't practice at a ton, but it's very skilled. Oh, right? on, on, on like the decathlon? Oh, it's terrible yeah. to watch to watch the decathletes at nationals. And these are the best in the country. And I'm just like, ooh, no, please don't, please don't. please Like every year something bad happens. It's just, it's, it's just <laughs> it sounds like a fun drinking game. <laughs> uh, dude, it's, it's, uh, I think it's one of the greatest displays of athleticism. It's unreal. Like that and hurdles, man. Like just the javelin is, it's pretty good. Javelin and triple, I think not necessarily ap- athleticism, but violent. Yeah. Like the most violent events. And it's, what's a javelin way. Um, so they have like 
200 to 300 grams, depending on like the implement. And there's smaller ones too for practice ones, um, but you're looking at 300 grams. Hey, Power Athlete Nation. If you enjoyed this podcast and you're interested in supporting Power Athlete, getting involved with Power Athlete, myself and the crew here in Austin and in the global network, you can do it a few different ways. You can link on shop.powerathletehq.com. You can buy merch, you know, be the hammer, uh, move the dirt, all the really amazing merchandise that we put together. And we're going to have a bunch of cool stuff coming up here at the end of the year for Black Friday uh, that's going to blow your mind. We also have the best training programs in the game. I think the most efficient, most powerful uh, well thought out, elegant programs that you will find. We're easy to get a hold of. Just go to powerathletehq.com, look for training. It's going to take you over to our best in class partner, Train Heroic, where you can look at Jack Street. If you're just trying to put on thick gobs of muscle and you want to get jacked as fuck, Jack Street's your program. We got Field Strong, Train Like an Athlete, allow us to foster and develop athleticism. That's really our flagship program for trying to make athletes more athletic. We got Bedrock, that beginner program. We got Grindstone for those of you guys that are in the fight. You need a flexible program that lives with you. If you're still into getting your face melted by the dirtiest, nastiest, saltiest wads on the planet, check out Johnny Wad. You're looking for a little bodybuilding, check out Johnny Bod. And if you're looking for a program, if you're in a situation where you go in harm's way, you're looking to kick in doors and take names and break hearts and all that good stuff, check us out at Hammer, the Holistic Athlete Movement Readiness Program that was developed uh, with some of the baddest dudes on the planet. So you can check us out in the programs. If you are interested in getting involved in the Block One Network with Power Athlete, you can first check out academy.powerathletehq.com. You can check out our methodology. And if you want to go that Block One track, travel out here to Austin and prove that you are composed of the metal that we're looking for to be in our Block One Network. So we're easy to get a hold of. You can support us in any way. So if you, uh, are enjoying this podcast and really like this content, find a way to get involved. Giving you a couple different options. We're looking forward to seeing you. Thanks. Um, but they're, I mean, but they're it, running it, as fast as they can and then just planting and you torquing. just stop and you just let it go. And the amount of ribs that you see break, the amount of ribs what? that come. Oh, it's because I mean, you're running as fast as you can and then you're just shutting it down. Yeah. So it's, it's, and that's the thing about pole vault and jab. So when we're looking at special strength, like, there's things that, like, if you look at those in slow motion, like actual jab or actual pole vault when it's happening, the body's not supposed to do those things. Like, the body's not supposed to be in those positions. But to be good at javelin, like, you have to be in those positions. So sometimes, like, I'll train a pull over to extreme range that I'd be like, that doesn't look safe. That doesn't look healthy. But well, you need to be able to do this for yeah. your sport, right? So those are things that we have to be able to progress and load in the weight room as well. Man, the, the one I'm always nervous for is, uh, like, when they go over, you always see them kind of push it back. I'm always like, fearful that like somehow it'll fall this way and they'll skewer themselves yeah yeah like like you're going down the thing's going down as you're going down it jams you i'm like oh god like <laughs> there's so much chance of fucking death in that i'm gonna speak a fucking shish kebab shrimp i'm like oh one of my uh, one of the old paul vault coaches and i think it might have been in iowa state but he um he was like i just need one sprinter just give me your fastest person just if they have the balls to take it up like they're gonna win <laughs> he's like you just give me your fastest kid if they'll take it up they'll win they won't ever take it up. <laughs> oh, no, dude, there's no way. Yeah, like, something off. Uh, you do that. Yeah, like it. it like I, I remember uh, a bunch of guys on our football team tried to pole vault in high school, and it was fucking hilarious to watch. Uh, well, yeah, high school track. Those people looked miserable because they had to just run laps. It's like the scene in Waterboy where it's like special teams do laps. Shit, like <laughs> they're just running with the pole and not having any fun, and then they never jumped. Like they sucked. Yeah, they're all like, high school athletes. Yeah, but. I mean, do you know how rare it is for them to actually get over the pole? 
I never saw one in high school. Like yeah. any of the meets. No, uh, we we had a couple guys that were like fairly, and a couple girls that were fairly decent in high school, and they could get over it. But it wasn't like it, you know, it wasn't like the graceful nature in which you see the person like flying over and like gently like push it away and then fall back. Like they almost look like they're going to break their neck every time. It's great. And the, I think throwers don't get enough credit for being athletic. Um, oh yeah. Like moving that fast with that much weight through a ring that small is really, really impressive. Um, I mean, we have um, – so we we test, obviously, power outputs a lot, whether it's on force plates or whatever it may be. The athlete that's produced the most power on a force plate anywhere through all of University of Te- Texas Athletics is one of our throwers, like including football. Like, oh, I believe it. Yeah. I believe um, it. We have 280-pound guy, 300-pound guy. 37 and a half infrared, 38 infrared. Like well, those you realize awesome. all the throwers are just football players. Just parents For wouldn't sure. sign the permission slip. For sure. Yeah, that's For it. For sure. You see these dudes. And I, I remember like uh, in college and whatnot, I'm like, why the fuck? Wait, would your mom not sign a permission slip? Get the fuck over here. Go get a helmet. <laughs> we had my first year here. I was fortunate enough to um, be able to watch Ryan Krauser train and nothing. Like I think I took it for granted in the moment because I saw it every day. But there's nothing like that. Like I've seen a lot of NFL guys, all these different things. Like, I remember one day he's like, "Oh yeah, got speech bench today." I was like, "All right, cool, yeah." Get this incline. I was like, "All right, we'll warm it up." Next thing you know, two hundred k, just repping them out for speed reps on incline. Just yeah, he's strong. Dude. You're twenty two, like it's it's unreal. <laughs> like, and then obviously now what he's done, he's got more throws over twenty two uh, feet than or twenty two meters than like the next five people combined. Yeah, like. Unreal. He's just he dude was next uh, in that Olympics where he launched it. It was like everything was perfect, and I think he pushed it past. It was like two feet past his his, uh, his lifetime PR. Yeah. When so he I mean, broke when he broke the world record at a trials, it was yeah, it was unbelievable. So it's really cool to see where he's come, but also to see where he was. Like dude wasn't dude wasn't super big in college, and I mean, he just had the collegiate record and would just kind of fluctuate, and was always just crazy strong and just different. Like everything he did, like the way he moved, the way he thought about training was just different. And there's like the definition of what I call elite. Um, just everything he did and how he carried everything. Like was, that was really cool for me to see. Was he training with Trey Z back then when he was in college? Um, so at the first part. So I came after after Trey Z left. Um, but he, Ryan's always been kind of – everybody kind of just let him do his thing. Like he's always just kind of been doing his thing. Like he comes from a throws family. His dad was his coach growing up. Um, he kind of had a lot of input in his training, which was great. Like – I have an athlete who understands what's going on, which that's always the goal. Like teach a man to fish. Um, I love to include them in the training process, right? So, but Ryan, he's he was kind of on a different level. And I think even right now, he just does a lot of the things on his own, which is just kind of same thing. Like he's just one of a kind. Any of your sprinters like that, or are they just more like just tell me what to do? Uh, most of them are just tell me what to do. But like, like we like we, the Forrest Gump, <laughs> run Forrest run. <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah. But we definitely um, we definitely have those conversations uh, to figure out. Like, hey, like. What are you feeling that you're missing? Oh, in this rep, you struggled. What do you think your holdbacks are? Like, come from a meet. What do you think's going on? Do you think we're missing something? Like, I like to have those conversations as well. One to make them feel included, but two for me, that gives, gives me more data. Um, so you know, hopefully, I can make their kind of individualized programs a little bit better. Do you think uh, you could ever make a sprinter too strong? I think there is a fine line because um, I think with strength, sometimes the speed will go, and I never want to sacrifice speed. Um, with those guys so we'll train we'll train strength and speed concurrently all year we don't ever want to just 
get really, 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 really strong because then all of a sudden you see RSIs dropping, you see different things happening that are going to hurt their qualities on the track, which we never want to do. Sure. So I, like I said, I always want to make sure that everything we're doing in the weight room is compatible with outside. So if we're just banging musculature, banging musculature, well, probably you're going to get hurt if you're running fast outside or something going to start slowing down. We definitely train hard. We definitely train heavy. Um, but we, for us, like I can get you to a point that, and hey, we're good now. Let's maintain this. And then the next year, maybe that point will change or maybe I want your power to increase. So there's different variables that we look at. But I think like me, I was I was one of those on the, on the probably two strong spectrums. Like I was coming out of football or coming out of college, like went back into football and I was just training. I was just trying to get my body back right. I was 195 pounds and I pulled over 700. Like, and I blew my hip out two years later playing ball. So it was one of those things like, was I too strong? Did, were there things that we missed because we're like, oh, let's chase these numbers. Let's see how strong we can get. And I think probably yes. Sure. Um, so I definitely think there's a fine line, but you always got to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. And with a sprinter, like being as strong as possibly is not necessarily the main thing. Well, there also comes down to like, uh, you know, if you become so strong, then all of a sudden you start missing range of motion. For sure. And uh, you become too muscle bound where now I, I can't uh, display that um, like flexibility through speed. Movement's still so important. Regardless. So if you're strong, but how strong are you at? these sticking points at these ranges. Cause in the blocks we're in really deep knee flexion, right? So can you get to the bottom of a squat? If not, take some weight off. Like <laughs> let's work down there. there. There's time for partials. Um, but I think like you definitely need to be able to explain or display um, strength and power through ranges of motion for sure. Well, that was like Tim Gay. You remember years ago, put out that video where he's like, Hey, uh, like this is the new squat. It was basically quarter squats. And he's like, you ain't ever got to squat deep again. And people were losing their mind. And I remember they sent me the video and I was like, ah, like the dude's fast. I mean, obviously very fast. Yeah. I mean, one of the fastest. So like, are you judging your program based off the best in the world right. or did he make a claim like that or just put out a training video? No, he did. Okay. He, he, he was training in sprinters and he's like, hi, this is the new squat. You ain't got to do that deep shit anymore. And he got in and he had a bunch of weight on. They were just doing quarter squats, which is kind of beneficial if you think in terms of like sprinting and hip extension. Sure. But like you said, you got to start in the, in the blocks and there's like a whole and, like. And if you do that only, you become very quad dominant, which like acceleration is obviously very quad heavy. But once you stand up, what you got in the backside, right? Yeah. So well, I mean, that's how you reduce force and for like sure. the ability to be able to put your in and pull it back fast. I mean, Absolutely. It requires a ton of hamstring work. So there's times of year where we will be in partial ranges of motion. Um, but a lot of times it's not always going to be bilateral. A lot of times it'll be unilateral and we're still making sure that we're mixing those things in. Um, so it well, kind of depends. And all your Olympic movements are partials. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing uh, power snatches, power cleans, yeah. I mean, that's where people would be like, oh, what about you know partial range of motion? I'm like, dude. I'm not having these guys snatch clean and jerk and full ranges of motion. We right. do plenty of that stuff in the in the barbell lifts. Exactly. And that's the thing is for us, I want to make sure we're not being redundant in the weight room. So outside right now, obviously, most things, I guess the first couple of weeks, most things are going to be acceleration driven. Um, so those first three weeks I get them, I was like, I want you guys to be ready for the acceleration stuff. When they get to doing acceleration stuff outside, I need you to be ready to stand up. So I'll depending on the time of year and kind of what their volume looks like outside, like that's when you can start to play with things. So today's going to be really, really quad dominant. Well, so we should probably be quad dominant inside or, you know, maybe we go to the backside because that's not stressed a ton and we want to get you prepped for that when we're going to be doing that in a couple of weeks. So there's kind of a couple of different ways to look at it. Well, if you think about too, sprinting um, and the one that we, we were dealing with this last week is uh, the guys we were working with were like, oh, when you squat, your knees shouldn't go over your toes. And I was like, well, let me show you a basic sure. movement where your knee's always over your toe. Anything in basketball. Well, and sprinting. And, like, and sprinting. like there's no way to sprint without a knee in right. the foot. You know, so, yeah. so like the fact that you know, you have, and then, I mean, so much so, like, like I don't know where that message got lost, so much so that you got a guy on Instagram, and I think his handle is knees over toes. Yeah. And he's over there talking about this stuff as if it's revolutionary. 
and people like Joe Rogan are like blowing their heads up. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> right. Like, like your knee has to get over your toe. I mean, but you know, everybody's missing dorsiflexion and all the other stuff that's preventing right. it. But it's just funny that these guys are like, oh yeah, the strength coaches told us that you don't want to get your knees over your toes. And I was like, oh, that's a real problem. Or yeah. somebody told them at some point. Yeah. I don't I know mean, if it was their strength coach, but somewhere along the line. You, everyone that heard that at some point in their coaching career coming up. Like, You're not like, wrong. Well, we did. I mean, the, right. the Louis Simmons sit back with a vertical for shin, sure. which all it did was make, make, make my knees hurt. Right. Make really strong. I'm sure you got really strong. But if you look at any really athletic movement in slow motion, that knee is coming down. Yeah. Right. So you got to be like, and that's the thing too. If you're, unless you're sprinting like incorrectly and your foot's way out in front of your body and now you're breaking. And like, now you're pulling hamstrings. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It is kind of blowing up again. I feel like that's just kind of strength. It's just a well, wheel. It's, everything it's rolls so back, fucking right? weird to me that it's like social strength. It's we all get it. <laughs> it's almost like, uh, um, like, I feel like uh, uh, people will go back and read like T Nation articles from like twelve years ago, and then they'll start, <laughs> and then they'll bring it back out, and I'm like, I think I read that on T Nation about a decade ago, and I'm like, that's like it we, just so and, and, and then they make social strength is cyclical, and then they make a comment like nobody's teaching anybody to do anything over their toes, and you're like, this is like preposterous claims, like people invented the question mark. I feel like I'm fucking watching <laughs> Doctor Evil, like it, it's it, yeah, I just I don't know, it's kind of like. Uh, um, you know, Marl De Pasquale, who uh, did all my diet stuff early on in my NFL career, he was like the guy that invented carb cycling. And then you people are like, hey, I invented this carb cycling thing. And I'm like, I read that book like 20 fucking years ago, dude. At least give credit where credit's due, yeah. you know? I, had, I mean, Charlie's stuff, like Charlie Francis's stuff was so on point. And uh, I remember when I uh, when I talked to him, he told me that I think Ben Johnson like squatted like, I'd say it was like 585 for six off of a box, off a parallel box, box yeah. squat with a pause. And that was like 10 days before he ran. The, Less than that, maybe two. If yeah, I, it, it, I, I don't it, remember exactly. It was like within a week, but it was yeah. 585 for six at a body weight of like 187. He was benching 400. Yeah. He, he was benching, realize. keyword. Yeah. Well, he was benching 400. He thought that the, like, the neurological efficiency of pushing heavy singles on the bench press had incredible carryover for uh, coordination for the whole body. Right. And I remember I sent uh, Mark Bell posted something like athletes shouldn't bench press. And I sent him that quote and I was like, well, dude. Charlie's one of the smartest cats in the world that I, I mean, I remember as a young NFL player talking to him. Um, I uh, ruptured my patellar tendon my rookie year and uh, I got put in touch with Charlie and he uh, provided me all these EMS mm -hmm. protocols and we started talking about training and it was like, if you're running fast, the only way you can do is run fast and just some of the statements he made. Yeah. And then I dug in into all of his books and I was like, oh, this guy's so fucking smart. <laughs> For sure. So I, I love Charlie's stuff. I love, uh, you know, James Smith. Mm -hmm. I love James Smith's stuff, but it's, I don't know. I wish more people would look into the sprinting world and especially like sprint coaches a lot of them dive into our world quite a bit right so i wish people would kind of get out of their boxes and look at what other sport coaches or what other coaches like what other information you could bring into your realm yeah i really like that um well, well the one thing i loved about charlie's stuff uh especially for sprinters was uh training with gpp with dissimilar movements yeah. that's why he liked all the med ball rotation mm -hmm. and all this because he felt that it didn't hurt like the neurological efficiency of sprinting. Right. That if the only form, you, the only way you did conditioning was actually running. That it was, uh, it was, it was too much. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's why he liked all the, you know, like all the med ball stuff that we put in was all just basically Charlie's GPP med ball work. It's interesting too because that's just, I mean, in track world, it's just called general strength. Yeah. Right. And I, it, it blows my mind that there's no other sport that thinks about doing things as general strength or like density. You know, like right. like I mean, you're talking about like a body composition being very important. And so, hey, you know, you probably got to know something about building aerobic base because it's, it's hard to carry a high right. amount of lean body mass without a good aerobic base. Mm -hmm. 
And you got to know a little bit of bodybuilding because no. unfortunately, uh, shit, those sprinters, I mean, got to be the most vain motherfuckers I've ever seen. <laughs> you think football's, are, football's vain? Uh, Fucking sprinters are a bunch of vain motherfuckers. I love ego sprinters. Oh, my right. God. Like the necklaces and the ears. <laughs> and like the first thing they do is unzip this fucking shit. You know, like I'm like, this is some fucking vain. I mean, but they're putting in work. Yeah. yeah. And they, you know, I mean, and they they want to show it off. They're like, I'm going to wear these tights. I'm going to wear this. I'm going to yeah. unzip this shit. I'm going to do my warm-ups with this thing down. I mean, so there's a little bit of vanity, which I appreciate for sure. Yeah. And so, you know, they're doing a little bit of bodybuilding. I mean, like you've never, not that kid from the IMG. He's all about the, uh, you got a 17 year old. He he misstepped. Yeah. Uh, But, but most of the guys, everybody's got biceps. Yeah. But I'm just teasing this kid's 17. He'll grow into it. Yeah, of course. He'll get around the culture where it's like, shit, man, if you're out there, it's like a football player with skinny arms, dude. You're going to be out there on national TV. Like, who was it? Miles Garrett posted. Uh, uh, he went sleeveless two games in a row and he got drug tested two games in a row. And he's like, I got to put the sleeves back on. I don't want to keep getting fucking drug tested. And then the hilarious part is, uh, I think it was, God, it was one of the kickers or something. He went sleeveless and they drug tested him. And he's like, Miles Garrett and I, and this dude's skinny as shit. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Actually, oh, yeah. dude, I was in tears laughing because I mean, Miles Garrett's fucking yoked. He's a big yeah. boy. I mean, and, and he's like super long arms. So, like, his delts hanging like six inches out because his, his delts have delts? Yeah. Dude, he's, yeah, he's, He's well armed. Yeah, well armed. <laughs> he, he looks. Like that. that was good. That was yeah, good. like uh, he. Yeah, but uh, that was a big deal. Like, I mean, if you're going out there to play on TV, you better have some fucking arms on you. Yeah. One note you mentioned earlier, Clint, that the coaches need to seek more of the sprint coach, and the sprint coach needs to seek more of the sport coach. Uh, one valuable gentleman, John. Eventually, you turned me on to Franz Bosch. Yeah. Deep dove into yeah. running his book, which eventually uh, the next. Next book is like biomechanics and transfer training. People have been stealing a lot of Franz Bosch oh, too. Yeah, there's but a lot of Bosch on Instagram right there, now. There oh, is. And, and, and the <laughs> problem is, is that they're not giving credit. Yeah. The, the uh, right, the right people are giving credit. Uh, Corey Schlesinger, shout out to to Corey. Uh, who is it? Um, uh, Stronger by Strength just keeps posting all this Franz Bosch stuff without posting. And I and yeah. I follow him and I see it. I'm like, I think it's a lot of Franz Bosch. Corey does give credit uh, where it's due and it's yeah, cool. Corey does, um, yeah, 100%. But the, the note on that, and I found that an important time because at the same time we went to different conferences and clinics and then you listen to Dan Paff, yep. former yep. University of yep. Texas sprint coach, yep. and you listen, uh, Boo, Boo Radley, Snyder. Uh, Boo Snyder, that's yep. it. So you listen to all these different sport coaches and then it's important to remember like these gentlemen are training track athletes. So I as a, uh, an athletics strength and conditioning right. coach, would go in and take some awesome notes. And then an awesome meeting I had with uh, Cal Strength. Um, uh, um, yeah, why am I blanking? Fuck, uh, um, Dave uh, Spitz. Dave Spitz, yes, thank you. So a football seminar out there. You, you actually paused and now I forgot fucking Spitz's name. <laughs> and what's I'm funny sorry. is as much shit as, uh, I, you know what, I haven't hit him. I'm going to text him and tell him how fucking fat he is lately. Okay. Spitz, but the, the So I bring, uh, bring Dave all these notes and... I had a day with him when he was training NFL Combine before you, before you went out there or uh, I went with you to go out there and he was taking me through the Eldrill and all this different stuff. And then, so I was just trying to flex and spit all this awesome information that I gathered over that year of different conferences and things. And he's like, slow down. Here's some advice, young Padawan, young coach. You need a filter. Essentially, like you're taking track information and trying to find a connection to football or lacrosse, the filter. And so taking that advice, then through conversations here, like the filter of athleticism, where Dave just gave the direction as a young coach, you need a filter. Like, what are you training for is an excellent filter. And if we power athlete are educating and empowering performance through the lens of athleticism, 
goes a long way. Where Clint, you were talking about your you want to get into basketball strength and conditioning. That's an awesome representation, a goal and direction. You have the ability because you understand movement, strength, power, speed, transfer. And you could go take a basketball position. You could continue a track. You could do all I these things and go basketball, swimming. It was just like, don't fuck them up. It's like like these high, guys are, at high levels. Yes, I mean like at like high I, levels. Yes, I, like I was watching clips of these like 15, 16. I think it was uh, LeBron James' son, like out there. I mean, what's he like sixteen and, uh, and seventeen? Probably. Seventeen, maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you know, and then all of a sudden they're showing clips of him playing against NBA guys, and like he just looks like a skinny or you know he hasn't matured into it. So I almost wonder. It's like I just got to put a little more weight on, like a little more muscle on these kids. Hope dudes are. Bigger than people realize. Like, if you look at Giannis's first year in the league to what he looks like now, like, dude's been in the gym. He's been working. His oh, yeah. Game, and his game has transformed. Um, so my first job, like I said, was hoops. Um, and it's cool. I kind of gave them a little bit of my track background. I went in the gym, and I'm looking at these guys. And the first thing I see, I'm just, you got some really good basketball players. Y'all don't move very well. Yeah. Y'all don't move very well. And our head coach um, had played in the league. He played for um, he played for the Bulls. So Alfred Miller had been a strength coach. And so he liked me because I had a track background. And I was like, hey, I think these guys would benefit a lot from learning how to like run. Like, Because we get here, and even where I'm at, I get a lot of sprinters who come in and don't know how to run properly, yeah. right? So that's things that like our coaches work on technique all the time. Yeah, so, like, they can run. They just don't know how to They don't to know run. how to, yeah. like, right? So even it's even worse in team sport, right? So I'm seeing – look at these guys. Phenomenal basketball players. Seven of those guys are in the NBA right now. Phenomenal basketball players. They could not run. So I was like, hey, coach, you cool if I – Teach these guys how to run a sprint. He's like, oh, I would bring in a sprint specialist every year and teach how to run. Yeah, I love that. Let's do that. And we started doing that, and the guys were like, this is crazy. We've never done this. I'm like, hey, well, let's just think about it. So I broke down, like, how many uh, how many possessions they have a game. And I was like, you guys are running about two and a half miles a game. Like, he ran an NBA offense. He was running about two and a half miles a game. It's 94 feet. So All flat-footed. Just, just yeah. landing flat-footed, just clomping on the court. Yeah. I was like, hey, let's say we take one less step every single time up and down the floor. What's that going to do for us? Probably have a little bit more gas in the, the end of the second half. I was like, yeah, let's start with that. And we started doing things like that. And the guys were like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting up and down the court so much better. I'm like, yeah, just work on step one. Then we'll work on step two. Yeah, a little bit of arms. We'll work on step three. And we just started putting them in better positions. The next thing you know, you're seeing it on the court. And you get a rebound. And he chucks it down the court. And the guy's sprinting down to get under it. I'm like, whoa, this kid looks like a sprinter. He's 6'7". I'm like, this is great. We didn't spend a ton of time on it. We did it in the warm-ups. Have one day here, one day, yeah. one day there in the offseason. We did it consistently for the first time in their lives. They got way better at it. Weird, right? But those things are really important. I think they get overlooked sometimes. But it's great because I get to do a deep dive with that all the time with kids who are really good at sprinting, but we still work on their mechanics. So I think that's something that gets overlooked a little bit. Man, I was I was watching uh, something with Zion where now he's over oh, 300 pounds. Broke his foot. And Yeah. I mean, they were showing him pictures, and I'm like, dude, you need to step away from that money and all that food. I mean, because now – I mean, they, they listed him at 285, and he was always been big. Yeah. And now they're like, okay, he's 300 pounds, and I'm like – I've been around a lot of 300-pound dudes. That dude's way <laughs> bigger than 300 pounds. Charles that, Barkley. That right? dude looks – but Barkley was only 6'4". Oh. So, uh, was uh, he? Yeah, when I was in Philly, uh, right. we used to hang out with Barkley, and he was shorter than me. And so I know he was 6'4". And, uh, but, six six in our hearts. He, he ain't no six six. <laughs> and uh, uh, well, have you ever seen him stand next to Shaq? Yeah. He's uh, sitting down next to Shaq. Yeah, <laughs> Shaq's fucking enormous. I, I met Shaq and I felt like I was like a little kid, like shaking my dad's hand. I'm like, this is the biggest <laughs> man 
fucking hand. Like, Speaking of those two, there's a compilation on YouTube of them wrestling on uh, NBA <laughs> TV, TNT. Oh, oh, it's hilarious. I watched it last week. Dude, was, their oh, rivalry, oh, uh, like after basketball, like is fucking it. hilarious. Like they're uh, like they're shit talking and the things, this and this. Is, uh, oh, I and Ernie's just it. egging it on. I love it. <laughs> I love well, it. well, Shaq's so likable, and uh, uh, like I, I got an opportunity to hang with Barkley more than a few times. Such a fucking great dude. Really? Yeah, he's fucking solid, dude. Just funny, uh, like really witty. Just a good dude, and uh, yeah, likes to have a great time. That's awesome. But yeah, Shaq's fucking great. I love him. I like they are the funniest dudes to me. That's awesome. Those dudes are speaking of big dudes. Did you see? Um, there's a big event this weekend, like strongman event up in uh, Round Rock. So they're doing strongman and uh, CrossFit. Uh, yeah, uh, Rogue is having their invitational up yeah. here. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm building. Uh, uh, I put together like this assault bike that looks like they call it the death bike. So mm-hmm. I'm building that for that event. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll be out there Friday and Saturday. But those dudes, the first time I met Half Thor, I was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, all right, you're not a real person. Nah, dude. Huge. I, I like he like huge. Like like it, it almost looks like you're walking through a crowd that he's walking like he's on somebody's shoulders. It's. I, I walked in and I was like, all right, I'm not a man. <laughs> Fake dude. Or there's like, a, like, you know, there's all those like weird like Instagram, um, uh, like conspiracy things about how there were like giants. And like there's a whole book called like the redheaded giant of North America. You never get into this. So allegedly yeah. there was, um, you know, obviously like what's kind of wild is they have uh, like all these different races of kind of like homo sapiens. No, well, it's not homo sapiens, but like homos, like bipeds. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden something happened where they all kind of disappeared and then like like homus erectus and then we became homo sapiens and so they they've theorized that like basically they probably just all made it or something happens like there were neanderthals and you're familiar with this right but there was allegedly a race of uh, red-headed giants here in north america because they found like there's all these pictures from like around the turn of the century where they find these people that are like seven eight nine feet tall and then allegedly the Smithsonian like stole them all. I, I don't know, but there's a book called The Red-Headed like Giants. Like Indiana Jones? <laughs> but it, it's pretty true. Like through history, if you look at like any of like the tellings or even like the carvings in Egypt, uh, there are like normal people and then there's fucking huge people. And like they've always been like, why did they draw these people like this? And why are they like these certain people way fucking bigger? So I just think that like it's like, Half Thor, just like descended just, from something different. Yeah, just, just like if they did his genetic code, they're like, oh, "This one doesn't look like anybody else's. He got something else because he's fucking like oh, six he's, nine. He's not. He's unreal. Yeah, he's, he's like unreal. six nine, and what was he like four hundred and fifty pounds? And he just leaned out, and he's like a like a lean three twenty five now. It was funny. I was like the first conversation I had with him. I'm like, "How big are you?" He told me in stone, and I didn't know what that meant. Um, and then he, uh, I'm forty stones, <laughs> and you're like, "What's a, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that means." And then um, I'm asked, "How much you deadlifting now?" He's like, "Told me." I was like, how much you want to deadlift? And he just looks at me. He's like, I want to be bigger and stronger. So whatever I have to be to lift more weight, I want to be that. And I was like, yeah, you're a dude. Yeah. <laughs> so you're yeah, a dude. He, he pulled over like, it was like 1,050. Yeah. It was uh, 500 kilos. Unreal. Yeah, with, with, yeah, but they're like with straps. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's okay. the fucking difference. Yeah. yeah, he's. Yeah, but he used straps. <laughs> yeah, dude's Okay. Up. Those guys are. I'll dead, give man. you all the straps you want. You ain't fucking deadlifting 500 kilos. I'm excited to get out there and watch those guys get after it this weekend. Okay, final question for you. Yeah, what you got? Did you play football in high school? I did. And basketball? I played basketball through AAU, and then I stopped. My parents okay. would only let me play two sports in high school. All right, so football and track. Mm-hmm. And with track, did you take the mentality, I am a football player that's running track, or I'm a track athlete? I think during both seasons, I was what I was in season four. So, like, in football season, like, I'm, I'm a football guy. 
um, that's faster than the rest of you guys because I run track. Well, you know, <laughs> if, if you play football and you go out there like I'm just a track guy playing football, you're going to fucking die. Well, that's my – Yeah, there's, there's my, no way to survive yeah, that one. That's my piece. So, Clint, can you direct – because there, there's a lot of high school coaches that listen. Yeah. And I feel it's important to delineate those two. For and, sure. If you got your football guys that are running track, as John uh, represented back in his high school, that are trying to get fast versus siloing them into throwers mm-hmm. uh, that got their permission slip signed, like what advice as a, a sport coach at that level can you give to really empower their performance as football athletes running track? I think there's just a like no one's ever been like, hey, I'm too fast. Any sport. That's like a (laughs) – that guy has way too much money. That girl's way too pretty. No. Uh, That car is way too fast. I jump too high and I'm too fast. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Never. Ooh, this gold brick is so heavy. (laughs) I don't feel like carrying around all these gold bricks I have. Never. So that's just being versatile. And then at the end of the day, everybody talks about speed kills, speed kills, speed kills. We had a guy who was – he was was a two-sport athlete at UT a couple years ago, John Burt. I mean, he was one of the faster guys on the football team. He was probably our slowest sprinter. He was really good hurdler. But like when it came to just like a hundred meter sprint, he was one of our like lesser guys. Right. So I think we have three coming in this year that are going to do both. But I think there's a lot to be said about like getting a fast athlete and putting them out there on the football field, like a fast athlete, not a fast person, getting a fast football player or a fast athlete and then putting them out there and then getting a football player faster. Why wouldn't you? So I think it's just it's just. It really, they go hand in hand. They really do. And they're the things that make sense together. Well, uh, when I was a freshman in college, uh, our running back that they brought in from Colorado, Brandon Willis, ran a 10-300 in high school. Um, he went down and ran Texas Relays, ran 10-3, like legit. He can go, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was fucking so fast. Yeah. And what's interesting was uh, he would go run with the Cal sprint team or with the track team. And it was interesting that he would – football would make him slower. And so the idea of like as a running back, you know, being able to read and then accelerate. And so it was was this weird thing where like he would spend the whole track season trying to run fast and then he would come back and then football would make him slower. But it was a really interesting kind of balance of like, do you want to be a football player or do you want to run really fast? But then you see like I was watching uh, – it was DJ Metcalf when he hocked that dude on that thing. He was running like 23 miles an hour. And then the other day they were showing Derrick Henry ran 23 miles an hour. And what was fucking crazy – is he stagger stepped, hit a dude, and then fucking accelerated, right. which never fucking happens. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, I'm, I'm almost wondering if, like, now we're seeing the evolution of these guys. I mean, because you're running 23 miles an hour, dude. It's rolling. You're fucking moving. Right. I mean, do, do you guys ever go out there, I mean, uh, put speed guns on those guys or kind For of. For sure. So, I mean, we'll have. The crazy thing is, like, I have females that are running over 10 meters per second. Like, they're running 22, 23 miles. Like, they're flying. Obviously, they don't have pads on. Sure. But, like, these ladies can move. So, it's. It's really interesting. Obviously, the guys have pads on there, don't have spikes on. What there. do the guys run? Them. Like, I mean, is it 25, 26 maybe? Yeah, they're running. They're running up there. Like a 10, a 10 flat guy is up there. Wow. So, I mean, it's funny. Like, I, I was looking at somebody posted a like a ground contact chart or something the other day on Instagram. It's like elite level team sport athletes. And they're it's like really, really low at like a tenth of a second on the ground. Like, it's really fast. I'm like, my females that run under 11 seconds are on the ground shorter than that. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, it's. It's very different. But, I mean, even you look back at Texas, right, like a Marquise Goodwin, like arguably one of the fastest guys in the league. Um, he never won Big 12s in the 60s. He was fast, really, really fast for a football guy, for sure. He ran 4-2. Guy is blazing fast. Yeah. But, like, track speed-wise, he was really, really fast. I think he was maybe third at best at, in conference. Well, it was, it was um, like that dude talking shit to Usain Bolt being like, uh, I'll get, like, uh, like, 
uh, I do not remember um, this. What's his name? Uh, the, he, he's the DB who, who's real fast in the NFL. And he was talking shit to Usain Bolt, like trying to challenge him. Fuck. And uh, I was thinking, like, man, like, I mean, but he was a track runner, so I mean, yeah. but, and also probably oh, it was Tyreek Hill, yeah. wide receiver number ten. So the thing is with Tyreek, he like he's fast. Like my, um, I think it was my senior year. He was at Oak State. Would have been his freshman year. He came out of nowhere. Oak State had no sprinters. He comes to the meet, and we're like, "Who's this super jack dude that like Oak State has all distance runners? Like, who's this super?" And he just blazes, wins everything. We're like, "All right, who's this guy?" Um, obviously, he got in trouble and everything bounced around, but he like legitimate like elite speed. In college, he had elite speed in college, and then he went to whatever D three and was just killing everybody. But he is, he is truly like elite. If he had stuck with track, it would have been really interesting to see what he could do. Really, he was he was elite, like not bolt elite, but he was he was very very fast. What's wild is, uh, um, so there there were two things that blew me away this year at the Olympics. One was the Chinese sprinter, <laughs> like where the fuck that guy came yeah. from. Like all of a sudden, we're I'm, I'm watching the uh, uh, the preliminaries. And he goes out and just fucking explodes and is like, you know, four steps ahead of everybody right. on that play. I mean, he ended up getting smoked in the finals. But I'm like, when did all of a sudden China have a fucking elite sprinter? I mean, that that one blew my mind. Yeah. And then the other one was, uh, I mean, you're not even in the conversation unless you're, you know, 10 or 9.7, 9.8. I mean, these dudes are like so Rolling. fucking yeah. fast. Yeah. Like if you're running 10 flat, you're not even in the fucking finals. Yeah. 10 flat does nothing anymore. It'll make, make a team every now and then. But then, yeah, other yeah. than that, it's... That's fast. Oh, I, dude, I have no idea how I missed this. This is August. This is recently. So in, in 2009, during Super Bowl festivities and fun, Usain Bolt lines up run oh, yeah. in sweatpants before 2240. Yeah. yeah. Not trying. Hills Combine 429 in 2016. And there's so a video, this, of, it. And there's I a believe, video of it somewhere. And I believe Usain Bolt didn't even stretch. And he was in sweats. No, he, he, he just went out there. Shreds. Yeah. Sweats. Yeah. And obviously, like with no spikes, yeah. And so the and Bolt's not an acceleration guy. He's no. not known for his acceleration. No, no I mean he's like uh, he's bird dogging people. Like right. he takes off and he's like, oh boy. And for like sure. I mean, uh, like dude, what, what was amazing when they showed his deal? And I, dude, I fucking love sprinting. But uh, uh, like when they showed his deal, when they were showing the time like breaks, everybody else like hit top speed, and then they were just trying to hold on to it. Yeah. He was like linear made, progressing yeah. and was actually speeding up through his last step, which fucking blew my mind. He's, so he's different. Yeah, the challenge is a 70-yard dash with a gold medal on the line versus the Chiefs Super Bowl ring. Yeah, That's dude, what it was. How the hell did I miss this? I oh, you that. didn't? Oh, dude, I uh, this was I, all over. And I remember thinking, I'm like, uh, that dude's fast. He's saying Bolt. And then the problem is he was like calling him old. He's like, ah, he's old. He's out of it. I'm like, Sam Bolt's still fucking terrible. He's playing pro soccer somewhere. Yeah, right he is. And he's fucking good. <laughs> he's good. Uh, dude, he was shaking dudes. I mean, and he's everybody, but what, 6'6", 6'5"? 6'5". 6'5". He's a big boy. It's No, nah, he's he's on a level of his own. Like It'll be it'll be a long time before we see something like that. We might never see it again. Yeah, anybody. Well, uh, we've never seen a um, short-distance sprinter of his height. No. I mean, most of those guys are, you know, 5'9", 5'10". I mean, there's I mean, rarely a dude that was six feet. No, he's... He's definitely in a league of his own. Also, would you give up a Super Bowl ring to a guy who has how many gold medals? He's got nothing on the line. Ah, uh, you know what? Lose though? a gold medal. How many more do I have in the class? How fucking cool would that be? You'd be like, we have your Super Ring. Oh, yeah, I lost to your same bolt in the spring. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. True. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Well, I think he's confident that they're going to get another one. Like, this is preseason. Did you see that game? I did. Oh. Oh. Now he's like, oh, crap. I've heard hold on to this one. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what the. I mean, I. Like uh, people, people are going to come back and start calling them the chefs again, dude. Like, 
that was, that was funny when I played in Kansas City. If uh, if like we lost, all of a sudden these people would have like chefs flags, and they just like oh that's yeah. Terrible. So Kansas City that's chefs, funny. Mm. that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. Uh, if, if if anything, that performance of the night was not pretty. No, I mean offensive line. Oh, that yeah, it was yesterday, right? It yeah, was yesterday. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's apparently got turf toe, and yeah, he's taking a beating. Well, chink, chink in the armor. Good thing he's there for another twenty years for the from the pay them half a billion dollars. We just got to survive. Yeah. Uh, who's your NFL team, Mister Iowa I'm a Viking? Actually, I like the Vikings. So you ah. grew up like in the middle of this, in the middle of the country. We have no team, right? So it's you got Minnesota. You did, got, did you grow up in Iowa? I grew up in Iowa. Where where at Iowa City? Uh, so I was in Ames. It's like twenty yeah. minutes west of. Uh, yeah, I, I know where uh, Ames, Iowa. Is. Boom. 20 minutes west of Ames. So yeah, I'm really I, close. I played with uh, Casey Wigman, uh, who's from yeah. Iowa, and uh, you know a fairly decent amount of uh, uh, Iowa guys. So For I sure. know a little bit of it. Awesome. Yeah. So I grew up there most. I was there most of my life. Where's um, the world's biggest ball of yarn? That's in Iowa. Is it in Iowa? I thought it was in Iowa. It might be. I think I drove. Odds that's one of my Iowa. great facts. I drove through Iowa, and there was like a whole bunch of stuff like that, like the world's biggest bar, uh, barn, and like the world's biggest ball of yarn. Is it in Iowa? I know the world's biggest cornfield is probably in Iowa. No, that, no, it's uh, um, I'm sorry, it's the world's biggest corn palace. Oh yeah, that makes yeah, sense. So yeah. I went to the corn palace. That's for sure in yeah. Iowa. Yeah, uh, I can promise. Valley you that. View, Texas, is the world's biggest ball of yarn. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, we'll go check it out. Right. Well, we have to go we'll check go it. Check yeah, it but look up the corn palace in Iowa. I've been there. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I was. Uh, I was. You it's were like, Viking. You were Packer. You were Bear. Um, or you were Chief. Mm-hmm. And I grew up when I started playing ball. Like I started playing ball because of Randy Moss. So I, yeah. was, I was a Viking. Ah oh, man, I did. I, I really appreciated Randy Moss's sense of humor. Uh, I played with him with the Patriots. Okay. Uh, Clint, you'll remember this. One of my favorite commercials of all time. Which one? Randy Moss and the Jason throw? Williams. They were quarterback yeah. and wide receiver. So yeah. they're showing those guys football and yeah. basketball highlight films. It oh, had to have been Nike. Randy could hoop. Oh yeah, and yeah. freaking yeah. Jason was quarterback. Yeah. So he's slinging it up to to Randy Moss. Yeah. And just that highlight was just a Nike commercial. And then you got these rock stars in both their respective yeah. leagues. Yeah. Didn't he play at what, Marshall? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he played at Florida State and then he got in trouble. And then I think he, and then he ended up going to Marshall or was yeah. it somewhere like, was it, no, it was Marshall? I think it was Marshall. But it was, it, he started at Florida State and then it was like a gun violation or something weird. He got caught with a gun and then they booted him. He went to a JC and then he went like, like it wasn't an easy fucking road to get where you got. I need to go back and rewatch that. Uh, they did, uh, was it 30 for 34 on them a couple years ago? Oh, I love it. I need to go back and watch that one. Dude, and any of those 30s for 30s with boxing, I'm fucking addicted oh, to those. Oh, dude. The I best. check those out. Yeah. Yeah, pull, pull up that Randy Moss, dude. He, I mean, just a, man, that dude is a fucking baller. Like, there's no fucking way. The media can't get to him. <laughs> like, there's no fucking way that Randy Moss, like, he must have been taking, like, onion juice and putting it in his eye. They're like, Randy, we're going to need tears. There's no fucking way Randy Moss is crying over that shit. Yeah, well, he went to Marshall because of Jason Williams. But dude, he got kicked out of Florida State because of what? Was it like a gun violation or break uh, team rules? Or I'm he, on Williams. He bitch. got in something like he got in some trouble and was able to. I mean, but fuck, dude, he he could play. It was because he smoked uh, smoked weed. It, it was smoking it was weed. Violation of probation. Nineteen. What do you think about um, uh, Shakiri uh, getting popped with that? Yeah, that's, I mean, I feel for her in her circumstance. I don't think anybody, like, I can't say I know what that feeling feels like. Um, but when it comes to the sport, um, and like, was it right or wrong to kick her out? Like, 
it's like you got you got to be what you got to be. So yeah, no, I'm, I mean it's the rules. It's the I, rules. I think the rules fucking stupid. I don't necessarily agree with the rule, yeah. but it it, it is it's the, the rule. rule, right? So I have like I have a ton of athletes that were in that same situation where they were getting we were out there like I said three weeks they were getting drug tested every other day. So like everyone's going through the same shit. But right? uh, but are they? I mean, are they? Is every test for street drugs too? So it depends on who you're getting tested by. So there's like USADA, there's WADA. So like there's a bunch of different associations that could be wow. testing you. Um, but they're like I had athletes that were getting tested every other day. So it's in, in the NFL, with it, it. it's only like a, there's a small window for street drugs. And so like in the NFL, if you get caught for street drugs, like you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, it's about a month, maybe six weeks, eight weeks. Like there's a, a, a definite window. And then after that, it's just performance enhancers. It's I in just, competition. You can't smoke. You can't have marijuana in your system in competition. But so it's like, not a performance enhancing. It's drug. definitely not. But like I said, just. Based on the rules, yeah. it is a rule. I think um, it's a stupid fucking rule. I I, I don't disagree. Well, with you. I mean, but but then, uh, um, you know, what are they testing them for? Fucking opiates, and then it's like, well, yeah, they they're prescribed painkillers, and I'm like, but that's okay. But then they can't. It's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's in line with a lot of things. Um, but specifically, like it's a world rule. It's not just like a U.S. rule, right? So there's all these other countries that have to abide by this rule. So we, we can't cut corners. It's it's tough. Obviously, I think things could have played out a little different for yeah. um, us had she been there. Us, I'm thinking like U.S. team. But yeah, I was I was sad she didn't get a chance to sure. run. I fucking I really appreciate her fucking style. Hopefully, she bounce like back. Crazy ass hair for sure. Wild nails out there, like kind of like I fucking well, love it. She's only got three years to wait versus four, right? and she's so young. Hopefully, she can. She's young. She's like 21. Yeah, she'll be fine. Hopefully she can bounce back. Yeah, no, it's good for the, she's good for the sport. Oh yeah, well she's uh, uh like just dynamic individual. Right. I mean, but yeah, I was pretty pissed for that. I'm like, so wait, I'm like, how are the Jamaicans beating this? <laughs> no, like isn't that their national sport? I'm like, there's no fucking way. Yeah, that's the thing, and they're all getting tested. Like I have, well, dude, they I uh, have three or four different countries racing at the Olympics. They're, I mean, they're all getting well. Tested. Shit, they uh, the drug testers have been living in Jamaica just trying to catch them because they can't figure out why right. these guys are so fast. They either have the most and I'm just saying this, no. they, they either have the most sophisticated drug protocol on the fucking universe and on this planet and every other planet, or they just have something going on down there that's better than other people, right. which that's... I'm going to go with the latter. <laughs> because, I mean, dude, like uh, the, the only way you're going to put together that sophisticated drug protocol if you're China, where now you're talking about like gene modification and, and money. You have fucking, money, right. That, that's when I saw that, uh, that Chinese sprinter fucking come out, and I'm like, <laughs> test him with everything. <laughs> Genetic testing, get him. I want to see what this dude... Did you see that? Like out of nowhere, the dude just blew everybody out. And I'm like, there's a fucking Chinese sprinter now. And that's that's the other thing, though, is there's so many countries, like not in the U.S., but they have talent identification programs where they're looking at young oh. athletes and saying, like, this is where we need to put you. If you're going to succeed in sports, this is where we'll, you'll need to be. And if you're not there by 16, well, on to something else. But, like, they have those programs because they, they, they – Well, the Russians did. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, for you, sure. I mean, shit, if you go back and you read um, – uh, what was it um, – not Milanichev, but um, ah, fuck, I, I can't remember the sports scientist, but he has all those journals. I think you can get them on Elite FTS. I used to read them years ago. But they had, uh, um, and uh, even, um, God, what's his name? Uh, the guy for Pose, uh, Romanov. So Dr. Romanov talking about like how they would assess kids and like they, like the athletes would live in like kind of a different vicinity because they wanted the athletes to meet and marry so that they could actually yep. have kids that were, like, you know, like all this stuff was all set up kind of, but they would bring them in. And they would test these kids. It was like vertical jump, like dead hang pull-ups, and then like where you went, and they kind of like shuttle these kids off, and that's all they did. I mean, so they had that kind of talent identification back in the you know 50s and the sure. 60s. And a lot of people still do. Yeah. We don't. But. 
Well, China does. Yeah, for sure. I mean, China, like if you look at all their Olympic weightlifters, all have the same anthropometrical ratio. So they select based off anthropometrical ratio more so than anything else. So they have one style they teach. They just find they have enough people to find the exact athlete they need to fit into their style. And it's just war of attrition. And, and then they just go, oh, yeah. We'll send you back with nothing or your family will have everything. I mean, yeah, fuck. We're getting set back. Because all these CrossFitters, short people are finding each other and make it even more short people. <laughs> so my prediction in the next 20 years, we're going to be just hobbit strong. Never going to win any golds, but we're going to look great. Uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what to tell you on that one. Uh, the day that I see a CrossFitter go out and win a gold medal in the fucking Olympics, I'm going to be surprised. Well, you just got to challenge the right people. Bolts accepting challenges. You just got to find the fastest CrossFitter in the world. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't want to go down this fucking rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. Oh, well, I'm not touch that one. well, I mean, uh, the thing that I theorized years ago is when you start doing submaximal efforts, repeated volume submaximal efforts, you have to have a conversion of fast twitch to slow twitch muscle fibers just to survive the load. And if sport and sprinting are predicated on uh, abilities, ability to, you know, go fast one time, you're looking at a style of training that's basically degenerating any chance you have of that. So putting like an Olympic sprinter into a CrossFit style of training is like fucking like cutting their foot and throwing them in water with sharks. It's not going to fucking help. Well, that demonstrates the high quality and the difficulty <laughs> of said training methodology. I'm not John. saying CrossFit's easy by any means, but as you know, uh, sprinting is not about how hard you work. It's Absolutely. a person that's the most efficient and they can control gravity as they move through space. And it's usually the person who can actually relax the fastest and like oh, the best dude, at relaxing. That, that was an amazing point. Uh, I was trying to get it across to our, our previous guests. They had that mentality. It's just go, go, go. Often associated with football and just getting them to try to relax, mm -hmm. like ease the tension. Chubbs, Chubbs Peterson, greatest fictional it's coach all of all in the hips. time, uh, was, was a challenge. Just getting in as speed would then be a product of, all right, ease the tension. Well, I mean, what always was interesting about speed, like uh, I remember there was like a, um, like a, a pretty good sprinter. I remember the girl was like 12 years old and I remember Roth sent me something mm -hmm. where like some 12 year old girl in Florida was like smoking everybody in like the hundred or the 200 Kansas. in Kansas. That's what uh -huh. it was. And, uh, she couldn't like basically like, I, I forgot they, they had some strength thing. Like she was so physically weak. Like she couldn't squat, uh, like, uh, you know, put a bar on her back and she could barely squat it. Now obviously that's neurological, like, right. like neurological efficiency to be able to do that movement. Right. But like they were talking about her lack of strength and like the girl was flying and it's like strength is not always the limiting factor. It's not. You know, neurological efficiency, how fast you can do technique, and then if you can get all that and then add a little bit more strength. But at some point, like you found, and I found it too, that actually I got stronger. Uh, it actually negatively affected my ability to play football because the amount of time that I had to put into getting stronger mm -hmm. negated all the other shit I needed to work right. on. So there was kind of like an exact strength number that I needed to hit, and I knew that anything past that just required too much time and took away from my ability to play football. And that's the thing too. Like if you can produce this great – amount of force over a really really long period of time well how much of that force can we produce fast if it's not anywhere near that top like what you can produce really slow then maybe max strength doesn't matter that much anymore and you need yeah. to worry about bringing that bottom threshold up a little bit closing that window so even like the further you get away from the starting line the less max strength actually matters first step really really important second step a little less important still important third step and so on and so forth. What what made Bolt so different? I mean, we talked about his slow start and the fact that everybody else kind of had like, like the speed curve. They would do this and then they would just try to cliffhanger hang yeah. on where he kind of did this. I would say kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, just like his resistance to fatigue. Like at the end of the race, when everybody else is decelerating, 
he is just steady and he's maintaining and he's just not decelerating. He's just really good at being efficient in his acceleration because I think um, I want to say looking back, looking through James Smith's book, um, they had the the breakdown for every 10 meters um, from him to would have been gay. Yeah, it'd been Tyson. It would have been Tyson. And then yeah. it would have been um, uh, Tim. It would have been uh, Johan. Okay. It would have been, been Johan. Wasn't it Tim Cook was in there? Too? Was, it? was in there. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm talking, yeah, world championships would have been 15. Um, but he, who is it? Bo- or Gay got up there faster. He got yeah. up to that top speed a lot faster. He was, up, he was, I want to say, 10 meters later till he actually hit top speed behind those other guys. But then he just maintained for 20 plus and the other guys are 10, 15. Then they start to drop and he's just maintaining that top speed longer. And you think it's because of his leg length, maybe stride length, stride frequency, like he was more efficient in that stride length so he could almost extend because it almost looked like everybody else kind of maxes it out and then all of a sudden he was taking – like the strides were so much longer because he just has more sure. more to work with. For sure. And he just was cycling through it and everybody else was like – like their little bitty strides were curtain him and all of a sudden when he just starts stretching his legs, it was just like – Since I haven't seen anything like that in my life and the biggest difference like anatomically he had – was that leg length? I think that has to be some sort of factor. Yeah, can't can't throw that out. That was awesome. To awesome, watch. one of the best. Uh, final question. Final final. You, I saw you speak at University of Texas's Sports Performance Clinic mm-hmm. uh, a year or two ago, probably a couple of years because of COVID. Yep. Any other awesome opportunities that you have coming up to display your knowledge and empower coaches out there? Not me specifically, but we actually do have that clinic you were talking about again um, coming up January 22nd um, at UT. Um, so I think – That's the one I spoke at, right? Yes. Couple years, yeah. uh, we're capping it this year because of we still have the some COVID restrictions. Yep, but um, I think we're getting close to selling out. But yeah, January 22nd, we'll have some really great speakers coming in. We got, we got Zach DeChant coming in. We got Sherry Walters coming in. It should be a pretty awesome lineup coming through. So Sweet. that'll be a great one. Is it going to be back up at the suite level? It will be. It's going to be on suite level. Mm. We're looking at the field. It's going to be good. It's a good time. So any high school coaches out there in the Texas area? Yeah, definitely check go. it. Quality individual or quality event to go to. That'd be great. For me, myself, I don't put a ton of content out for I think it's just because I'm really Step busy. The game up, dude. <laughs> ah, you know what though? You're not uh talking about all the stuff you're doing. You're actually doing the stuff that you're doing sure. and you're influencing people, which Absolutely. I think sometimes where I see people post like seven times a day, I'm like, just sitting in your fucking basement, not doing anything. Get a I'm job, like, sir. Yeah, I'm like, the bums are lost. <laughs> yeah, get a job. I'm like, stop fucking posting. Like, uh, like somebody hit me up and like, I don't even post anything. I'm like, we were really fucking busy. You know, we worked with uh, last week. We worked with the guys from Development Group, uh, Naval Special Warfare, yeah. came in for a five day gig, and then awesome. they got here Friday, so it was really like an eight day gig. And uh, they're like, oh, you're not posting. I'm like, yeah, we were fucking busy actually working with people, right? Not just sitting here fucking trying to steal Franz Bosch. <laughs> yeah that's next week yeah, yeah hold on let me get back to that <laughs> that being said if anyone wants to reach out to me I do respond to all emails so if you want to get on the UT website look me up I will respond sweet and well, the Instagrams and the Instagrams Dude. it might take a little slower Instagrams usually take a little slower but uh, if yeah. you send me a work email I will respond <laughs> we will have a phone conversation <laughs> if you'd like to sweet Cool. It, awesome. uh, I think that's good. And I'll, I'll, the only question I had is just one thing. Uh, I always appreciate when we have people uh, with your knowledge base on what's the one thing that people could action like today if they wanted to try to improve their speed? Is it greater ankle flexibility? Is it uh, you know technique, arm swing, shoulder flexibility? Is there anything that somebody can do 
because uh, I always I always love when we do these podcasts and we have people on that are super sharp and I'm always like, what's the takeaway? Like, what's like this one thing the listener could do to maybe affect their speed, increase their knowledge, or just be a better athlete? I think if speed is something you want to do, like you said earlier, it's something you have to sprint. You've got to go out and you've got to sprint. And you can't do it just one time a month. You need to go out and you need to sprint with very high quality and very high intent and do it often. Sweet. You know what? You heard it here. High intent. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Power of the now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can find Clint Martin on Instagram at Clint, M-A-R, the number 10. Until next time, bye!